Hello and welcome to the Stone Butch Disco podcast. I'm your host, Rachel, and this week I have a new microphone. Um, so with my new microphone this week, I would like to speak directly into the ears of anyone who cares about anyone being free from the strictures of gender that are placed upon them at the time at which their sex is observed or assigned. Uh, I'm talking to you. So I need your help to pay attention to what's happening to girls. I say this as a teacher and also as a former girl. When I was teaching K through 12, I started to realize that the word lesbian means something. And the reason I was realizing that so hard is that my students weren't using it. Um, so all of my students who were in any way gender nonconforming or gay who were female were identifying as queer and as non-binary simultaneously, never as a lesbian. And I thought that was interesting. Maybe it's fine. There are new words. The kids are using new words. Um, that was partly, my response to that was partly because I had been in a gender studies program in grad school where I was like treated like an ant in an ant farm or like a bacteria in a Petri dish when I was like, actually, I really feel like the word lesbian like has some specificity in that when the academy stopped using it and took on queer instead, which sidebar, I have those receipts on my website, stonebutchdisco.com. It really totally happened that like the word lesbian just dropped out of academic writing. I was like, hey, I feel like that thing matters, maybe that there's something there and that maybe that word matters. And people were like, oh, interesting. See, the truth is that only older lesbians care about the word lesbian or the word woman, for instance, like they all those people are old. And I was like, well, I don't know, like I'm 25. And I don't I still feel like something is missing when we're not using that word. Um, and of course, not everybody was like, oh, interesting, like poking me. Other people were like openly hostile, like stop using the word woman, stop using the word lesbian. That is that makes you a conservative when it comes to gender. And I was like, that's weird, because I've definitely read some stuff about being a lesbian, which is about how it's one of the most threatening things to the patriarchy. But like on a hiring committee for the LGBT center, I definitely heard a pretty high powered candidate say that the word lesbian was fundamentally a word for turfs, that it was a transphobic word. I heard her say that. So anyways, that little threat that lesbian offers the patriarchy, I think that it offers such a threat that even the queer community has decided to push it out of the matters of concern because it's too much for people to deal with. It seems far too attached to icky body stuff and autonomous female thought and just sex that men aren't in. So the whole world seems to have bought that the word queer is somehow more radical than the word lesbian when lesbian is the one that people don't want to say. And my students are being very not radical. They're playing it very safe when they're deciding not to use a word that historically would have been exactly who they are. And the reason they're playing it safe that way is because well, first off, people will tell them that they're turfy if they use the word lesbian. Like, that's just a thing. They're playing it safe for the same reason that, like, when I came out as bi, before I came out as lesbian, it felt safer. Um, I know that my students are afraid of being, like, full-on gay and having to take that on and having to, like, deal with that as their future. Um, because everyone is. But also, so the word queer offers some plausible deniability in that sense. What it doesn't offer is specificity that they could use to actually declare that they are and are not interested in certain things. So for instance, there was a boy child in the Gay Straight Alliance that all of these kids were a part of, and um, he was opposite sex attracted and he wanted to date um, the queer girls. But the problem was it had escalated to harassment and the queer girls were really set on not saying that they were only interested in dating girls 
because none of them identified as girls. The lesbians did not identify as girls. And I just called this group lesbians when they called themselves queers, but that's because to my eyes, a same-sex attracted female is a lesbian if she has any class consciousness around it. But for these students, there was no real way for them to categorically say, actually, that's not my sexuality. And I could hear them struggling to tell me what was wrong. There was no, this is sexist. There was no, like, we feel pressure from... There's no... The kids don't talk about heterosexuality. They talk about queer, and they treat it as though it's a general kind of weirdness. But then when it comes to needing to put into words what their class condition is, they're lacking some language. So I feel like, personally, it's pretty obvious that girls would benefit from at least having the word lesbian available to them as an option. Um, I think it's very strange that the whole side of the world that thinks about lesbians seems to have just decided that, you know, the kid, the young kids growing up who like would in the past have called themselves lesbians are just calling themselves something different. That's fine. That kind of seeds that like the word lesbian never meant anything, which makes sense because people are now saying that like a lesbian so if you're a lesbian, you can't only be into women because that's transphobic against trans men. If you're a lesbian, you can't only be into females because that's transphobic against trans women. So like for the majority of lesbians who probably identify, and let's be honest, the majority of lesbians identify as lesbians because they're same-sex attracted females. And they use the word lesbian because it is meaningful to them that both partners identify as women. And that's the majority of lesbian relationships. Those people like aren't allowed to have that be the definition of what lesbian is. But more importantly, without that being the definition, there is none. Like if lesbian is not somebody who's attracted to females who's female, then it's not that. But it can't simultaneously not be someone who's attracted to women who's a woman, um, because then it's nothing. If it's neither of those two things, then it doesn't mean anything at all. And so, yeah, my kids are terrified of being called TERFs. Like, they're very quick to call out when someone's being a TERF. In fact, I've seen, I witnessed several, I would call them bullying incidents between girls. And look, I have to I have to talk as a teacher in terms of sex groups because that's how you treat students. Like, they are, they are categorized for lots of reasons, not least, like, their safety. It's really important to be able to divide them by sex. So I, I witnessed, sorry, that was a sidebar, but I witnessed girls like disciplining each other on not using appropriate pronouns for, for them. Like, you know, those aren't my pronouns. And, but people would change their pronouns on a daily basis and like hold each other to it. And then when, when like someone would try to express solidarity with another person on the basis of something gendered at all, um, it was like, you don't know me. There's one moment in particular, I remember in my quiet classroom during like awkward COVID hybrid teaching, um, one student who was non-binary identified absolutely went after another student. These are both girl students, according to our, you know, classification. Um, but the non-binary student went after the other one for not properly using neutral pronouns. And I just thought, wow, this just feels like such a lost opportunity for solidarity. And by the way, the one being attacked was a student who was very close to my heart, very sensitive, very careful about everything she said anyway. So it just felt like this this other student stepped into that void and like stepped into, not a void, but stepped into that area where this person was going to be empathetic and started to make them feel guilty as much as possible for not hewing to like the queer gender norms that had been set up in this tiny micro society 
in my classroom and in the Gay-Straight Alliance at that school. And that student that was being attacked, like, was one of the students that we talk about who deals with suicidal ideation. Um, She actually made a couple of attempts, and it was not a good year for me as a teacher watching that happen and knowing that what her proximity to the disciplining of the queer community around her own identity and her friends' identities and what she could and could not say, it didn't seem like that was helping her at all. Um, all of all of those students who were involved in the Gay-Straight Alliance and were female were very actively switching pronouns and names and reflecting, as Lisa Davis said in the last episode, very much reflecting over much on who they were on the inside as though they had, like, I don't believe in soul genders. I don't believe that, like, every little kid has a soul that is a gendered soul. Um, but they did. They believed that. And so they were, like, spending time trying to figure out what that was and and wasting time that they could have been spending on talking to each other in a very real way. I feel like the word lesbian, it's not just, like, one tiny group of people. It's a test case for female autonomy, for the idea that there could be a group of female people who develop a consciousness around their shared situation, who are willing to call themselves women, who operationalize that in a political way. This will be the test case for whether that's allowed to survive or whether it gets eaten from 12 different sides by people saying, well, it's not this and it's not this, leaving it to be nothing. If lesbian was something, I would bet my life that that would have helped my students, not hurt them. The reason I feel qualified to talk about this is because I avoided rubbing shoulders with the word lesbian and other people who held on to it for so long, um, for a billion reasons, and then was actually told that I shouldn't find community with those people when I was in my 20s in graduate school and people were leaving gender behind. Um, And the truth is, of course, that that word defines my ability to find community at all in this world. Well, and I should specify, I've definitely found community across difference, of course, right? But like to feel like I am legitimate and like my self-concept makes sense in a world where the hostilities against me, I can then express are actually hostilities against lesbians. Like that makes my life make sense. So that's what I'm talking about. I've experimented with all the other words that the queer umbrella offers and none of them do the same thing that lesbian does. And I think we should stop pretending that kids have enough of a choice when the word lesbian has essentially been disappeared. And here we have a lot of things converging, I think, to just shit on girls, right? Shit rolls downhill. And what's at the bottom? Gender nonconforming female human beings. So there's a lot that I'm going to be talking about in the next couple of minutes. And I'm going to ultimately quote some some qualitative responses from the respondents to the D-Trans um, subreddit demographic survey, where people explain their experiences. I just want to say those experiences are really aligned with mine. And I think if we're going to point to a kind of underlying issue that we have yet to deal with as a society that we've got to, it's the allowance of female diversity, like the idea that you can still call yourself a woman and be female and be masculine. And like, in in terms of the patriarchy squashing anyone who's trying to express autonomy as a female human being, it's like a chicken or the egg situation. I'm not sure whether the word lesbian being crushed advances what the patriarchy needs it to, or the word woman being crushed advances it. I do know that both of those words have not coincidentally fallen out of the National Women's Studies Association programs relative to the word queer. 
um, which promises a gender-free world, right? Like I just saw a tattoo on a on a very famous person that was just the word gender with the line crossed out. And I was thinking to myself, you might as well have a tattoo that just says feminism with the line crossed through it. Sorry, with gender was crossed out. You might as well just say feminism and have it crossed out, right? Like, because if you're saying gender is going away, then all you're doing is like shitting on people whose sex actually binds them to like particular shitty treatment under patriarchy and not like everybody's hurt by patriarchy. No, like feminists have been saying since the beginning of time, there is one specific sex class that is hurt most and differently by the patriarchy. And that's the situation. Like disappearing women whether it's disappearing women or disappearing lesbians, both of them are going to lead to the same thing, which is basically femaleness is a negativity that like is not allowed to be claimed as a politic for shit. So here's my story. When people were telling me that I was not allowed to use the word lesbian or that I wasn't properly a lesbian, they were doing that because they were telling me primarily that it's because I wasn't a woman, um, that I because of my presentation, and if you see pictures of me, you might understand why, that I, I pass as male and that my commitment to freeing people from the prison of gender strictures means that it would be more responsible and more true to who I really am to identify as non-binary and then potentially to transition. Um, I was pretty certain that there was something messed up with my gender identity for about five months in my 20s, and that I, the more I read, the more it totally aligns with the, can we call it a theory or is it just what we can see happening? Which is just um, a rapid onset of gender dysphoria brought on by the suggestion from others that your dysphoria or your your masculinity, like your gender nonconformity, meaning your nonconformity to the norms around your sex, that makes you trans. Like I believed that for a while and it would have been just, depending on the way the wind blew, I would have begun a medical transition because in, in my like intimate life, I was accepting of the fact that what I, like in the bedroom, I thought that what I was doing was not something women could do. And I had heard that from partners. I started out thinking about strap-on sex and specifically what MB in one of the previous Stonebush Disco episodes refers to as cum strapping. This is just something I want to do and and not feeling dysphoria um, around it. But then the more people made me think about it, because I think of where I was geographically, I was in West Philly, which is a very like, like West Philly is one of the places where I think people really truly believe that we can make gender go away. And they really truly believe that if we do that, we're not just making women go away. That that was happening there very much. And so the more I was like reading queer theory and not getting my eyeballs in front of lesbian theory which gave birth to queer theory, um, the more that that was happening, I was like not connecting with what really felt like me ultimately. And it was like it was hidden and I had to go find it by defending myself from the belief that was being imposed on me that I was definitely not a woman, couldn't be. Um, and I am like tentatively identifying with this term desister, which means somebody who socially transitioned, like as in not medically transitioned, but then kind of decided that they wanted to bow out of that um, because I had transitioned in my thinking and my talking about myself with people I was intimate with in the sense of like being pretty confident that I was trans, that there was something about me that wasn't woman. Um, and I, I kept 
like once that happened to me, I, I got upset, right? Ultimately, because I was like, you know what? I've been reading lesbian theory for a long time. And it's weird to me that like lesbian thought was just like not circulating around me at all. And so I ended up being upset and I ended up turning that into my project in graduate school to track the disappearance of non gender nonconformity as an option for women that like you can stay female and you can still say you're a woman and be gender nonconforming. And that's probably explosively feminist and explosively radical, or at least, and I'll die on this hill. It is brave as fuck to be a butch woman. Like, and I know that because sometimes I don't feel brave enough to go walk around and not pass as male and like use my natural voice instead of disguising it a little bit. Sometimes I don't feel that brave, but like, doing the thing, like really, truly identifying as a woman and owning female and being gender nonconforming, that's fucking scary. And it also is explosive to the patriarchy because like people don't expect that shit. What they do expect is for me to be trans or for me to be a man. So anyway, I had that experience, whatever that experience was. I also kept hearing, this is really rare, like the experiences of people thinking that they want to transition and then being, and then deciding that they don't are not common at all. And I'm starting to feel like that's a lie um, because they feel extremely common. Like the second I started Stonebush Disco, within a month, I had met three people who started processes of transition, stopped them, and feel intimidated to talk about it because they know that their experience has been slotted into the experience of like being a detransitioner experience and detransitioners are not allowed to talk. It basically made me realize that I was not an outlier among masculine women, that masculine women are being told all day, every day now by the queer community that they must want to transition, that being a way that is not aligned with your sex means that you're a trans person, that you've had a trans, basically like it's in your soul. And I was particularly susceptible to this because I've never felt much like aligned with being a girl or a woman other than that was my social class. And I, I knew that I wanted to def defend and fight for people who shared my social class to be able to do what the boys could do. But that was it. So I was like real flimsy about whether I was a woman um, and being surrounded by a bunch of hyper learned adults who are saying, actually, we don't use those words anymore. Like gender's going away. So you're not actually a lesbian. Butch is a trans identity, which is what everybody was saying. Like you need to cross identify because that's who you really are. And I was buying it hook, line and sinker. So if I was buying it and I was like 25 and in a fancy PhD program and like capable of independent thought to a degree that I was not maybe when I was like 13, 14, then my students who were like 13, 14, 15, 16 and fighting with each other about whether they're being like properly gender neutral in all of their communications, those people, they ain't got no fucking clue like what the word lesbian could offer them. Or maybe the better way to word that is how a feminist consciousness could save them. Like it saved me. Like I was pretty certain that I was going to have to do a bunch of things to become a normal human being. And then when I kind of pulled back out of it with the help of a lot of books, because I'm a fucking nerd, I was like, oh my God, like there's actually nothing wrong with me. I didn't have to think there was something wrong with me. And actually what I'm doing really scares people and really could like break the patriarchy right in half. I, I was struggling and I was somebody who came like with with a basic feminist consciousness to graduate school. So my thing is, if detransition is so rare, why did I immediately meet three detransitioners in a space that I created to be centered around butch lesbian consciousness and everybody was having the same feelings of, wow, I was told there was something wrong with me essentially for being a butch lesbian. 
I also think it's worth asking why there aren't any butch women in the queer community spaces anymore. I mean, I can tell you why. I can tell you I stopped going to queer functions at the University of Pennsylvania when people started making me feel like an alien for saying I was a woman. And by alien, I think I mean like that I was the only one. That for so many people, I was like the phone number to call about lesbian stuff. And that there were like, what, 3,000 or more active graduate students? I don't know. But I was like the one who was supposed to be representing the L. And that felt fucking weird because I can't re- I can't represent the L by myself anyways. But also I was like, wow, I'd really love to go to a party that is just people who feel like I do because I feel like I'm being tolerated as this one example of this one minority group that you have to include because the L is already in the LGBT. But then like everyone around me is saying things like sex is made up that fundamentally don't vibe with a lesbian consciousness. And like, I'm supposed to feel welcome in that space. It's a bit weird. I mean, we tried to have like a queer women's happy hour. Well, actually, this was me and my gay male friend who also thought that women deserve to have a happy hour. We wanted it to be a lesbian women's happy hour, but then we got told that that word was exclusionary. So we changed it to queer women's. And then the bartender at the lesbian bar in name, now it's shut down. um, But the bartender there who was trans mask was like, why is the word woman in your group? And I was just like, wow, how many different how much more time do I need to spend sitting in a solution dissolving for y'all to think that I deserve to exist at all? Straight community feels so much better to me than queer community because straight people respect that I'm a woman. And I think straight people these days respect women way more than the queer community does, if we're being honest. I mean, just as far as discourse analysis is concerned, the thing that I'm really into, if you look at the treatment of the phrase cis woman, Like, it's garbage. Like, people who are cis women have no complex experience of their gender. That's a laughable notion. And it's pushed all the time by, like, the dominant voices in the queer community. Like, I mean, shit. If you look at what Drew Gregory says on Autostraddle about cis women, like, the the vitriol. It's... And that's a lesbian website. Like, there's something wrong when we are so content to shit on women as though women are enforcing the patriarchy that has shit on us. Uh, That's a flip of the script. I think if your quote unquote feminism has so little to do with the actual historical position of female people that like corporations love it, you should probably question whether what you're doing is beneficial to women at all. So here's my thing, girls care about gender too. They are only using the word queer for themselves and they're only using non-binary because that's what they've been given by by a movement that threatens out of shared space, anyone who who says that womanness or femaleness matter to them, you know, depending on who you're at risk of pissing off, like Stone Butch Disco is a prime example. Uh, from one side, we're told we shouldn't make anything about female masculinity because the word female is upsetting and it's exclusionary to trans women. Um, and then from the other perspective, we're told we're, we shouldn't make anything about womanhood because the word woman is exclusionary and it's, it's harming trans men. So we're never going to win. Unless we can convince the world, and I actually think we're pretty close, because I think there are a lot of silent liberals who feel this way. But, you know, unless we can convince the world that sex is real and that it is allowed to matter if you identify with your sex as a class condition. So if sex isn't real and it's not structuring of a huge part of our experience, then it would become impossible for me to talk about an entire swath of things that have happened to me in my life. Namely, being in a straight relationship for seven years, in which I experienced a lot of really weird, bad, like he was not a bad dude, but I experienced a lot of weird, bad transfer of my desire to be a masculine, like person during sex, but being the one receiving it 
like all the shit that I had to deal with around that and the, the time it took for me to come out and be okay with being a lesbian to then be kind of spat out into a queer world that's like, actually, the way you've reinterpreted your body and the power you feel around it, uh, it is not to be. It is not to be in the future. Um, all of that. I wouldn't be able to talk about any of that. And that's just like scratching the fucking surface. I've actually made a list. Um, clicking over here, I've made a list in a Word document of like the story that I think I need to tell because I keep getting told I don't have one around gender and I keep getting told that like my experience with desisting is, or whatever you could call that, that that is rare. Um, and I'm pretty sure that the stuff that I experienced is not rare uh, and I've been making a list of it, but you know, I was like, all the things that you do because of compulsory heterosexuality when you're female, we wouldn't be able to talk about those without the language of female and that's the crisis that girls are in right now and i don't think it's helping their mental health given that with the rise of queer ideology the girl's mental health has gotten worse and you'll see that i'm actually i'm about to take you through some responses to the r slash dtrans subreddit demographic survey um, specifically from female detransitioners and desisters and those responses fit neatly into the picture that you get from reading the CDC data on girls' mental health that Mac and I will talk about later in the episode. It just, it shows how bad COVID was for girls and how a whole society becoming dependent on the internet produced horrible issues for kids trying to figure themselves out. And they've been told that like, it's turfy to be female and talk about it. Um, So today, my friend Mac is back, um, specifically to dig into some data that we were both looking at because we were concerned by it. Essentially because when you take the data together and you take journalism on the data into view, you see that we've, we've got a situation where like there's a crisis in girls' mental health and transition is actually being portrayed as a solution to any form of nonconformity. And that's from the Washington Post, gender nonconformity equals transgender from birth. Okay, so Mac, like me, is a former academic, has had exposure to that system, but also works with data in the social science realm. And we look at two studies, the CDC data on girls' mental health, which basically says it's in the garbage, um, and the Washington Post survey methodology, but also coverage that prom- like actually conflated gender nonconformity with being a trans person from birth and then said that transition will make you quote unquote more satisfied if you're anywhere in that realm. So there's like some wild conflation happening. We're gonna talk about that. So what really got me to like, try to figure out how to make an episode about girls and how they're doing is the social science stuff because I've had to take a lot of methods classes and I'm seeing some weird, bad, weirdly bad methods on the part of social scientists talking about this. And the reason I started to think about it is because people kept saying, well, detransition is so rare, so rare. And I was like, well, I am kind of a detransitioner. How many more people are having the experience that I did? And of course, I'm not actually a detransitioner. That would be complete appropriation. I might be a desister, but in any case, like I'm adjacent. So my question would be, why, why haven't the people doing the surveys talked to the detransitioners and the desisters who are out here who have never been contacted by anyone trying to survey them? And I realized it's because the people doing the surveys about detransition are asking gender clinics. And I'd say, let's just use our brains. Like detransitioners are not likely to detransition under the care of the doctor that initially pushed them towards transition. And more often than a lot of people know, that is a push. Because I've, I've been reading the responses 
on the DTrans Reddit. And the things that like the Tavistock gender clinic came under fire for are happening way too often. Like doctors see trans patients as success stories and there is a pushing happening. And we have proof of it and we have people talking about it, but the reporters aren't like reporting on it because it's seen as turfy to report on it. But but basically all that is to say, people aren't talking to detransitioners because they're going to gender clinics where gender care is happening to find detransitioners, which is not where they are. That's not where detransitioners are. It's not where you're going to find them or talk to them. Honestly, the detrans subreddit is about the best place. And I would highly encourage anybody who's who's invested in gender freedom, freedom from gender, freedom with gender, any of that to go to the DTrans subreddit and read what people say about their experiences because it is enlightening as hell. Now, knowing what I know, which is that I've seen girls enter and exit non-binary identity depending on their level of discomfort with themselves. And that's what I did. I entered non-binary and trans identity when I started being made to feel like there was something wrong with me as a woman and that if I just got in line with what I wanted to do in bed, I would be a more proper person. And partners were telling me that, not just like queer theory people who also suggest it, right? If you say if you say to a butch woman, actually butch is a trans identity, then and then your partner at home who you're having sex with is saying, actually, I wonder if you're trans. Then you're like, oh, that I, okay, there's just something in the room that I haven't dealt with clearly and it's that I'm trans. And I'll say, I think this is important to say, it's not like it was explicitly framed as like, oh, there's something wrong with you. That was the implication though. That's the implication whenever you look at like how somebody's doing their life and you say, actually, you need this other set of things, experiences, body parts to become yourself. And they didn't think that in the first place. Um, That's the implication. But the way that it actually was framed was like, no, you're going to have freedom here. Like this is going to feel better because all the insecurities that you have that like basically the patriarchy has foisted on you, which my insecurities were all around strap on sex. And so all of that was like, oh, you could just you can actually just do away with all of that patriarchy garbage if you just step into this new role and you will feel better if you get a new gender role that's not woman. And now you don't have to even feel insecure. And now I feel like that would have been a lie anyway. Like those insecurities would have continued. But I was in a time and place where my nascent butch masculine identity was not sitting well with my partner. And I thought that I could fix it. And I was searching. And what stepped into the void of that search was not like, hey, actually, you can do whatever the hell you want um, and be a lesbian and be proud of yourself just like this, just like this. What stepped into the void was here's something you can do um, to make it all go away forever and get in line. So if that's happening to me, it's happening to all these people, why are we acting like it's not happening? And then and then the Washington Post released this study where gender nonconforming people were actually encouraged and we'll get into it in, in our in the real mill where we're really working through everything. But people who did not initially identify as trans but do identify as gender nonconforming were kind of funneled toward the category of trans and then all those people so like I identify as gender nonconforming, right? But like all those people were asked whether transitioning made them feel better about their life. But most of the people that were asked were not medically transitioned. And it was unclear to what degree these folks had socially transitioned either. Of the 515 trans adults surveyed, 31% had used hormone treatments, HRT or puberty blocking hormones. Um, and 16% had undergone gender affirming surgery or other surgical treatments to change their physical appearance. But the title of the article that revealed the results was most transgender adults say transitioning made them more satisfied with their lives. 
I think we really need to sit and think, Washington Post, about what that headline makes it sound like you're saying, when only 16% of the people who you are citing as representing trans adults had undergone surgery um, to change their physical appearance, and 31% had used hormones. Um, As far as social transitioning, 57% of trans adults, according to the Washington Post's survey, had used a different name than the one on their birth certificate. Um... 72% had gone by pronouns different from sex assigned at birth. So 27% of these folks, as written here, had not um, gone by pronouns associated with a gender different from their sex at birth. Um, And then 76% of these folks surveyed had changed their hairstyle or grooming habits to better fit their gender identity. 24% had not. 77% had changed the type of clothes they wear to better fit their gender identity. 22% had not. And I keep referring to these folks as these folks as these folks surveyed because i'm uh, i'm unsure how representative this sample is meant to be of trans adults as a whole those numbers sound off a little bit based on images of trans identity that we see elsewhere in the media um and in research also i just think that those numbers reflect that the category of trans is not uniform and the headline does not reflect that the category of trans is non-uniform. It says that transitioning, which in the collective consciousness, of course, calls up medical transitioning. They had to know that, which is, again, something that most of these folks have not experienced, makes people more satisfied with their lives. If that headline doesn't pack an ideological punch that it has no right to pack, then I don't know what does. And when Mac and I are looking at this one, it really strikes us because the hairstyle and the clothing thing is stuff that butch women do. So I'm wondering if maybe they included some butch women in here. Uh, That's what it looks like. I'm going to upload this survey so you can see the survey items, the way they asked different things and how they categorized people. One thing that we don't know is how they decided who was cis, because those people actually don't get asked these questions about gender nonconformity, or at least it doesn't appear that they do. We don't have that part of the selection process. Um... That's kind of a black box, and I want them to reveal how they did that, because I think that's super important. I'll put this under the show notes, and you can kind of follow along as we're talking. My, My question, based on my experience, is if all of this is really complicated, like I have girl students who are trans, quote unquote, socially transitioning into a non binary identity and then transitioning out of it. If if that's happening, why are we joining like that kind of thing with other more permanent forms of social transition with medical transition and calling them all the same thing, quote unquote transition. And I'm referring here to the Washington post to what they did. They're calling all of those things transition and saying that all of them help make you quote unquote more satisfied in your life. And that they're permanent. That doesn't reflect the reality on the ground of what's even happening. So that's like, once I started pulling on this thread, I've really gone down a rabbit hole this week. And what I found was, some crazy what looks like corruption in the American Academy of Pediatrics. And I don't want to sound like a psycho or like Rush Limbaugh, but this is pretty basic shit. And it's like an infight. It's not like I'm just insane. It's like there's there's infighting happening between doctors and between people publishing around and adjacent to and in the American Academy of Pediatrics stuff, communications, about this. There's a doctor, an MD named Jack Turbin, who released a study saying that Um, the rapid onset gender dysphoria hypothesis, which is the idea that like non-binary identity is a bit of a social contagion and that girls are taking it on in larger numbers than boys by about double or more 
That's the notion, right? And that's what teachers are seeing on the ground, at least in North Texas. That's absolutely what teachers are seeing on the ground. It's what some data is beginning to show. Actually, I, don't, I wouldn't say beginning. The data is pretty firmly in, in line with the idea that, you know, girls are, girls are expressing gender dysphoria via rapid onset, much more skyrocketing of late. Um, and that, so basically like the rapid onset gender dysphoria hypothesis depends on these, um, ratios between female and male sex. So Jack Turbin, who's always been like really pushing what he calls gender affirming care for minors, but I would call modification of secondary sex characteristics for minors. Um, he's been, he's been pushing that that's not true, that it's not true that more girls are going to gender clinics, because if it is true that more girls are going to gender clinics, then we do have to take patriarchy into account. And we do have to take internalized self-hatred on the part of homosexual women into account, which is what affected me. I thought that I had to be trans because surely if I'm a homosexual woman who wants to have sex like this, I can't possibly just be a woman, right? Um, it's very deeply related to lesbianism for a lot of people. And we won't have to deal with lesbianism if there's not that gender difference. So Jack Turbin released a study that I'm confidently saying is politically motivated because it was so terrible, where he used data from the Youth Risk Behavior Survey about who identifies as transgender. Now, the basic thing is that the question in the survey is what sex are you, female or male? And Turbin says that people respond to the survey and that there were more male people than female people who said they were transgender. But what he doesn't admit is that transgender students read that question as what's your gender, not what's your sex. So it's methodologically a, a dumpster fire. Like it doesn't say that there are more male students. In fact, it probably implies the opposite, that there are more female students identifying as male students who identify as transgender. But he just like trumpeted that this was the case, even though like kind of in a tweet, he was like, actually, this doesn't really tell you the difference between sex and gender. But the whole article was based on the idea that 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 was dependable data on something that that data is not even about. And it just wasn't. So as somebody who's been beyond versed, according to me, I feel like I've had plenty of methods, right? So much that I've definitely complained a lot about it. This just feels like criminal, what happened here. So Michael Biggs, who's at the University of Oxford in the Department of Sociology, he actually published a response to the Turbin article titled Turbin et al's Incredible Assumptions About Sex. And he just takes him to task. Like the PDF, <laughs> the actual um, file name of the PDF is Turbin Jumps the Shark. It says, Turbin et al. find that transgender respondents who identified as male outnumbered those who identified as female in a ratio of 1.5 to 1 in 2017 and 1.2 to 1 in 2019. On the author's assumption that sex was interpreted as sex assigned at birth, these ratios are the reverse found in comparable studies. On the author's assumption that sex was interpreted as sex assigned at birth, and the odds are, I can say to you confidently as a teacher, it was not. Not by trans students. Biggs continues now citing studies that have shown a preponderance of female cases of gender dysphoria. The Minnesota Student Survey in 2016 explicitly asked about birth assigned sex. Among students who identified as transgender and genderqueer, the ratio of assigned male at birth to assigned female at birth was 0.5 to 1. A survey of American undergraduates in 2021 also asked about sex assigned at birth. Among those who identified as transgender, the AMAB to AFAB ratio, so the ratio of assigned male to assigned female, was 0.2 to 1. 
And I will post this in the show notes as well so you can see Biggs's response. Um, there was a little bit of a Twitter flare-up because the American Academy of Pediatrics refused to publish Biggs's response, and they didn't give a reason. Might the reason have something to do with money? Who knows? Would make sense, though. But anyway, those sex ratios favoring natal females showing up with gender dysphoria, that's what I've seen in the classroom. That's what I saw in my own experience. That's what I saw in the lesbian community in West Philly. It was like there was no lesbian community anymore because the lesbians weren't calling themselves lesbians, which just means, I mean, to me, that just means you're you're same-sex homosexual, but you're not using the word that implies a feminist consciousness around being a woman. That's fine. You can do that, but that does mean that there is a consciousness that is disappearing. Okay, but sorry, I got distracted. Biggs was not done. He's given the data, some data sources at odds with Turbin's findings, and we should put findings in big scare quotes there because the data he is using don't speak to what he's trying to speak to. He, he ain't found anything. But now this is Biggs's commentary. The obvious explanation for the author's anomalous claim, right, because it is anomalous, it's not what other studies have found, is that many transgender respondents did not treat the question about sex as referring to sex assigned at birth. One indication is that transgender respondents were more likely to skip the question. In eight states which asked about transgender identity in 2017 and 2019, 8.6% of transgender respondents declined to state their sex, compared to 0.5% of non-transgender respondents. Given, okay, this is, this is Biggs' final sign-off. He says, given the ambiguity of the YRBS question on sex, evidently confusing to respondents and to scientists alike, no conclusion about the sex ratio of transgender youth can be drawn from this survey. The article does, however, provide considerable insight into the editorial standards maintained by pediatrics. And then beneath, he's got a tweet from Jack Turbin saying, Methods note, this study has the problem of not knowing if females and males in their study are cis or trans. So how, how then, if that's in your tweet, but not in your actual article, how in your article are you going to say that the sex assigned at birth ratio is at all an issue you can address with the data that you're using. You can't. It's a lie. It's a it's a knowing misrepresentation, and the tweet proves that it's knowing, which is galling. I, I don't understand how it's acceptable for Jack Turbin to tweet, actually, we don't know whether these people are cis or trans, and then say that he's successfully analyzing the sex assigned at birth ratio of transgender adolescents. That, that's not something that his article can do if the, me if the methodology doesn't allow for that disaggregation. I It's not responsible. And I think Biggs is right to just smack it down. But this is what's happening. Like this stuff is scary. And the Washington Post um, article, as somebody myself who got very close to transitioning and would have regretted it, fact, it's not like lesbian identity is what gives me life. I have a feeling that would have been a problem for me. Transitioning, I wouldn't have liked it. I wouldn't have hated myself, but like it wouldn't have been who I was. So to see something like the Washington Post saying, well, transitioning makes people feel more satisfied with their lives. And then when you look at who they've asked, they've asked people who are quote, gender nonconforming, that would make me even as somebody who's like, well, maybe I'm a woman think that I need to transition because it's going to make me happier, right? No matter what, if you're gender nonconforming, suddenly you're like in a group of people who needs to transition because it makes you more satisfied. Meanwhile, we've got TikTok activists like making videos like when I saw the other day, which was signs that you're trans, or like another one, how did I know I was trans? And the reasons that they're giving, one of the one of the reasons that this that this trans man gave that he knew he was trans was that he didn't like dresses. And another reason that he gave was that he saw trans men in the media and realized that that was an option. And that's a great way to find yourself. But I don't know that in a world where options are pretty slim, 
especially when it comes to any cultural space for women to be male passing and super masculine and still be women. We, we don't have that space at all yet. That that's like the best way to assert that somebody might have an, uh, an interior trans selfhood that they didn't know about until now. That might be an element of social contagion, which is what the people like Biggs are suggesting we at least need to take into account. And dear God, when you look at these desister and detransitioner responses, you better believe that social contagion is coming into this in a bad way. I mean, especially for adolescent girls who are looking outside of themselves for solutions to horrible misogyny that they're dealing with in their daily lives. Um, Mac texted me earlier something she found in the youth risk behavior survey data, um, which is the same data that Turbin used. I'm sorry, I say data and data, depending on nothing. It makes no sense. I switch back and forth. But we'll explain where that makes sense um, to use it and where it probably doesn't and why we think that. But in the YRBS from 2021, she found 40% of girls 15 or younger and 38% of girls 16 and 17 responded that they strongly agree or agree that they feel good about themselves. And then on the boys' side, 65% of boys 15 or younger and 63% of boys 16 to 17 feel good about themselves. So it's we got a 20 percentage point differential uh, that we should probably take into consideration and the detransitioners would encourage us to. But I want to go back to the video that was like, how do you know whether you're trans and gave some reasons that I think are a little spurious uh, because we got to talk about social contagion because the desisters do and the detransitioners do. And I'm going to let them cover how they thought they knew when they were trans. So this is a trigger warning that for the next almost 30 minutes until about 1.11 of this podcast, before you start hearing Max's voice, I'm going to be reading to you from the qualitative responses to the r slash dtrans, dtrans subreddit, screen demographic survey for 2023. And I'll be reading the responses from female detransitioners because this is a sex-based space where that distinction matters a lot in terms of what people's experiences were. They are massively difficult to read. This is a trigger warning for sexual assault, for eating disorders, for suicidality, for anything that has affected your body that has felt shitty. These folks might be talking about it. So if it would be healthier for you to go forward 28 minutes or so, maybe 26 minutes, until you start hearing Mac, that's where it stops. And I wanted to provide a longer trigger warning here so that you have the time to nix out of this because I fully respect that maybe this is not what you need right now or ever. But if you can, I do think it's important to witness to the extent possible. It hurts me to read these and it feels like these are lesbians by and large who are like suffering. Um, so these are my people and I'm going to read their words and I'm doing it. I even am doing it to a degree that I think is like crossing over into meditative because reading them out loud makes it hit differently. Now, trigger warning concluded, skip forward an hour if you want to go straight to the social science hard data stuff. Um, but on a topic that there has been not nearly enough research on and certainly not in the right places, what follows is about the best data we have, um, especially when it comes to qualitative responses. So here goes. First, I'll read a couple responses from the desisters, and this was in response to the prompt asking for a summary of the transition experience and the motivations for it. Um, so let me read from desisters. Desisters are 
a population that might include me, although I was like a mild one. I, I was not socially transitioned with a large group of people, only with people I was dating, essentially, and like randos who I would test things with, <laughs> who, would let, who I would like test out being male passing with. But so desisters are those who have socially transitioned and then have decided to step out of that transition. And here's what one says. Due to having PCOS, I naturally have what I deem to be a more masculinized body, also one which makes it hard to lose weight, which I've been ridiculed for all my life. I didn't feel like I was suited to be a girl because other girls were smaller, daintier, and socialized in ways I didn't know how. They had boyfriends while I read self-insert fanfiction featuring my favorite anime characters, which eventually became self-insert gay fanfiction. I was inserting myself into a male role, which I had done before as a child when we would play pretend, but this time it was a quote-unquote romantic context. Eventually, I felt that maybe I would be more likely to be desired or even just liked if I were a boy, as if that suited me better. I started wishing that I could be a man, that I could be reborn as one. Tumblr told me I could, that these thoughts and the discomfort and the hatred of my body were because I was a man all along. I began to believe that in assuming the role of a man, I didn't have to worry so much about my looks or about my body being what it is. Okay, that was the end. So this is me talking again. I feel this. I did the play pretend as a boy, like pretended that I was married to like cartoon characters like Snow White or whoever when I was a kid. And I was always the boy, always the male role. And that became evidence for me later thinking that I was trans. Um, And I really think it had a lot to do with being a female homosexual and wanting women and not having any other models of how to be desirable to women. I mean, that hit hard. And it hit hard when I was when I fell in love with the first woman I fell in love with, and she was straight. Um, That ouches. So this this one really gets to me. uh, And I think it it makes me feel like I'm less alone. Um, And if that's true, I'm wondering how many other people there are who feel like this. Okay, another desister. I was very insecure about how people saw me, and I didn't want any assumptions made about me just because I was female. I wish people would just see me as me without the female part. I spoke to a friend about this, and she told me I could be agender, and they put in parentheses non-binary. And since that label fit how I wanted to be seen, just as a person, in parentheses, hence no pressure from male or female standards, I started to believe that was what I was. It, this was, oof. It was a way for me to escape the rigid, unreasonable gender stereotypes without actually doing anything about it. Okay, it's me, Rachel, again. Several of these folks talk about being lesbians. Somebody said, I watched a video of someone talking about being gender fluid after identifying as that for a week. I started identifying as non-binary. Later, I started identifying as a man somewhat for employment reasons. I'm also a lesbian, which I believe definitely contributed to it because even during transition, I was running away from being attracted to women exclusively. And this next one kind of speaks to how butch women are a specter in all this, like something that maybe you don't want to be. But actually, if you, hey kids, if you decide to be one, it's actually great. Um, And it's a safe place and the water's just fine. Here it is. My puberty was a year or so earlier than middle school, but it was in middle school when reading about puberty for the other sex that it set in. I would never be considered by a majority of the public as anything beyond a sex-confused butch woman cross-dressing. And now back to me, a sex-confident butch woman cross-dressing. All throughout these responses, there's a lot of talk of things coming from online spaces, from messaging, um, from activists in particular. Okay, here's one. Started at a women's college and had friends around me start to transition. It made me realize my gender issues I had in my childhood and teen years. A lot of my identity came from Reddit communities like r slash egg girl or whatever. 
and it was a bit of a snowball effect. Basically, I was told again and again online that if you're dysphoric, you must be trans. It's basically, like, if you look at the desister responses, which I'll post them in a spreadsheet, but um, you can go look at the survey and kind of cross-reference, but people are saying that that you just kept hearing, if you're dysphoric, you must be trans, and that's what I was hearing. I mean, it, people put dysphoria as a label on me, but then I accepted it. It seemed like, yeah, I, something is at odds with womanness, and it's that I'm this kind of homosexual. Um, but the, the lines were blurry. Here's somebody talking about Tumblr. I decided I was trans after I discovered the concept on Tumblr in the mid-2010s. I'd always been a tomboy and disliked my gender even as far back as being a toddler. So people there and on similar social media sites immediately praised my obvious transgendered soul. It sucked me in right away. The next one. I'm a lesbian and probably autistic. I had a lot of anxiety over my lack of ability or interest in looking like, quote, normal, unquote, girls my age. When I found out about non-binary identities, I thought that's what I had to be. I still knew on some level I was a woman biologically and politically, but I thought the non-binary identity would absolve me of some of my gender transgressions. Felt insecure, sorry, next person. Felt insecure in my femininity as I was always told I wasn't much like a girl and I didn't see myself similar to any girls I knew. I felt disconnected to everyone around me. I had slash have a lot of internalized homophobia and am still struggling to accept my own attraction to women. So here again, the contours of proper female homosexuality return as a topic relevant to this. And it's it's funny because I just saw on social media, a friend of mine get smacked down for being a homosexual trying to speak to the experience of trans kids. And the comment that smacked her down completely missed the point that she was saying, no, I was the person that you would have said was a trans kid. I was a homosexual kid. And I came up through this experience of being trans for my homosexuality. And that's why homosexuals need to be able to speak to at least some of the ways these things are being framed to push out the possibility that what we have here is a case of gender nonconformity within homosexuality. And that really rang true to me because that's my entire experience. This next one needs a trigger warning. Sexual assault was absolutely a factor in desister and detransitioners' explanations for why they transitioned. A lot of them describe transitioning as a, a coping mechanism. One simply says, I thought that if I was non-binary, I would not feel so objectified after being raped as a teenager. Another one. It was lots of little things that chipped away over a long period of time. I was a tomboyish child and I was told that I should have been born a boy. I had a psychologist tell me I was a boy in a girl's body in 1989 slash 1990. It was a long time ago, so I can't quite remember the exact time, but before puberty. Somebody said, I started believing I was trans after I was groomed online by people who assured me any type of doubt about my gender was a sign I was trans. And after that, my own OCD made matters worse. Another one. So for a long time, I never thought that I counted as desisted until I saw a few posts on here from women who had similar experiences. I was essentially a young woman who developed a full, quote, womanly body far before I should have, and I was harassed and assaulted for it. Surrounded by the Kardashian fashion slash makeup styles thrust upon teenage girls at the time, I hated being a woman and I hated my body, and Tumblr told me that this meant that I was probably a boy. It seemed freeing. I liked wearing baggy clothes that hid my figure, and I had a lot of intense childhood trauma that caused an identity disturbance, so it was like an excuse for me to attempt to morph into someone else. I dreamed of getting rid of my breasts more than I desired taking HRT, and in parentheses, I had been groped at the age of 12 or so, and that stuck with me. 
I was supported blindly by friends online, the only people I came out to. Looking back, it was a surreal experience that lasted for close to a year. I snapped out of it through trauma work and meeting radical feminists online who made me proud to be a woman. I also limited my social media activity. That helped a lot. Okay, here are some responses from detransitioners. So these are people who medically transitioned and socially transitioned and then detransitioned in both of those ways. So here's one response from a medical detransitioner. As a toddler and a child, I was a hardcore tomboy. On paper, I was textbook transgender. When puberty came, it was incredibly distressing because not only was my body changing and unfamiliar to me, but also painful and messy. New social expectations were forced upon me and I was not prepared for this. I did not understand why suddenly my entire life until that moment had changed without my consent. I did not want to participate in being a young lady or a woman. I associated this with not being able to have fun and being in constant danger. This was not an illusion, but a fact I learned quickly. Despite dressing entirely unsexily in masculine clothes, pre-social transition, I was sexually assaulted. I was no longer a person, but an object of desire. I became disgusted by myself and the seeming only options available to me. In hindsight, I noticed an absence of any healthy female role models. Despite men hurting me, I could only look up to them because they were the only positive option to. Everything about me seemed to line up with being male. As soon as I tried to, quote, pass on purpose, I was passing full time. The social benefits were abundant. No more being groped. My grades went up despite my performance not changing. Clothes were comfortable and practical. My interests and hobbies were respected and encouraged, not berated and banned. I was treated as a person again. So these are, again, the reasons for transitioning. Some people build in reasons they detransitioned, but... Okay, and here's somebody who had an experience with Tavistock directly. Um, So Tavistock is the gender clinic that was shut down in the UK because the accusation is, the evidence indicates that their quote-unquote therapists were pushing people toward transition without adequately looking into other potential solutions to dysphoria, other potential reasons or solutions or experiences with dysphoria. Okay, so this person says, I have anxiety, depression, PTSD, and suffered childhood abuse. I was referred to the Tavistock and Portman service directly by an adolescent psychiatric unit that I was a repeat patient at due to crippling gender dysphoria. I was rather quickly put on blockers, age 15, and then hormonally transitioned despite being seriously mentally ill, actively suicidal, self-harming, and eating disordered through the whole process. There were criteria for each stage, such as being mentally stable, in education slash work, a healthy BMI, not misusing substances, etc., and although I openly met none of those, I was still allowed to proceed. I then went on to have a double mastectomy in 2021. Throughout the past six months, I've come to terms with the fact that I'm female, and now feel as if it was a sort of trauma fantasy world that I was living in due to complex issues that all services involved failed to make any attempt to investigate. None of this was necessary, and I would have been so much further along and happier in life had this approach to my dysphoria not been taken. I've been openly detransitioning over the last two to three months now, longer privately stopping testosterone, legally changing my name and attempting to grow out my receding and thinning hair. So they're saying they stopped testosterone a little before the last two, three months, but privately. Part of what had started my questioning was the fact that I was having health issues that the doctor could not explain or help me with and finding no explanation online due to the effects of transition being so poorly researched and blockers hormones in children being so recent. Blockers slash hormones. The doctor was frank about this, which I appreciate. From there on, I began to question my entire worldview, self-perception, and trans identity in general, whilst learning finally to accept myself at my core. I'm saddened by what I did to myself as a minor and shocked at it all looking back now on reflection. I will be physically marred by it for the rest of my life and live with a constant quiet fear of what will happen to my body as I age. 
Socially, it is just as complicated, and I feel like there is nowhere I can ever comfortably belong. I will never not stand out in some way. On a more positive note, I feel much more free and in control now. I hope the world will be kind to me. Jesus. Okay, here's another one. I'm gonna, mm. I was on T for a decade and got a double mastectomy five months in. My trans male identity was a trauma cope. I regret HRT and most of all the mastectomy. Another person says, thought it would cure my dysphoria. It didn't. It made everything worse. I ended up with health complications and psychological issues. Another person says, HRT, uh, 17 to 21 years old, surgery at 20, lived stealth for the most part. Felt like a constant cycle of hating my body, changing it, hating it in a new way. Transition felt like a carrot on a stick, promising it would help my dysphoria, and it did sometimes. But detransition has been about complete body acceptance and neutrality. My sex is a simple fact. It doesn't have to dictate my life anymore. Somebody reported, I got kicked out of treatment and the long-term study I was part of the second I stopped identifying as trans. So now I have massive distrust for this whole industry and it's in quotation marks science. Testosterone lifted my same person. Testosterone lifted my mood though, as steroids tend to LOL. Another person, medical transition never made me happier, but I was told that almost no one regrets it, so I still got a double mastectomy at 23 because I thought that's what I was missing. I immediately regretted it and detransitioned at 24, and I'm now trying to get breast reconstruction. Gender therapists never questioned me or looked into other issues I had. So I know pediatricians are increasingly speaking out, um, although I do know one person, well, a friend of a friend who was let go for, quote-unquote, taking too much time to talk to her patients, who were girls, about what they were going through. Don't know what that means, but it was vaguely in communication with me related to the turn toward fast track gender care. And this was from a good liberal who was telling me this story. Um, so there's that, but there's also, I'm wondering how adults are faring here because um, a friend of mine who is a psychiatrist speaks about, pa speaks passionately about what she thinks has happened in the practice of psychiatry and has said that there's basically like a my way or the highway going on where people are like, oh, okay, you say this thing that triggers a response as though you are trans. And now we move from here. And she has a lot to say about the misogyny in that, but has not been public about it. I I'm wondering how many other adult people like I would have been at 25 are not getting the care that they need, but also no one's even speaking on their behalf because we're really focused on minors getting pushed through, um, transition too early and without proper care. So, I mean, what about the adults also? Or the young adults? I mean, shit, when you're 18, you know you're a baby. And that friend who's a psychiatrist has said that she's seen some super disturbing things about just not asking questions that might be considered offensive, but are the kinds of questions that detransitioners are saying they wish someone had asked? Like, could this be something else? Um, and, but the instructions seem to be not to ask those questions. Um, and then of course I've talked on the podcast before, but two of my friends have therapists, not gender therapists, but regular therapists who just suggested to them that they're TERFs basically, that they should not say that female is a class condition and that it matters to them as lesbians. And so I'm wondering where the training is coming from to shut down any attention to what's happening to female people in this world. It's like, therapists are not addressing female specificity or are accusing people who try, including their own patients, of breaking the rules, breaking the queer rules. Oh, and by the way, the, the D-Trans Reddit is largely female. 
So there is evidence there as well that what Turbin is saying is not the case, that these cases are increasingly female. Here's another detransitioner account. At first, I was really happy about changes I got from HRT. In parentheses, my voice dropped pretty quickly and facial hair emerged during the first two to three months of T. But I also started feeling attracted to men, which didn't happen before T. And the most weird thing was that I wanted them to perceive me as a female. That's when I started questioning my transition and realized I did it only because of PTSD after an abusive relationship and being gender nonconforming. Another person says, I walked into Planned Parenthood. They asked me if I was abused. I said no. And I walked out within two hours with a prescription for testosterone. Okay, here's a longer one. And I think I'm still reading these things because I want to like bear witness or something, especially to this one for how the lesbians are suffering. Like all of this stuff that I was feeling about how lesbian means something, it keeps coming up in this stuff. Starting in. I started questioning my gender around age 14 when I did not feel like a girl, like all the other girls I knew at school seemed to feel. I was a tomboy with more traditionally masculine interests. I hated that my body was developing curves. I disliked makeup and dresses, and I was romantically attracted to girls. I first learned about the concept of being trans when I saw several young FTMs on Tumblr and YouTube, and I felt a kinship to them. I had short hair and bound my chest throughout high school, but did not fully socially slash medically transition until I graduated. I went to an LGBT health center in the city and was approved for HRT after one informed consent appointment and a blood test. However, seven months after starting T, I realized it was not the path for me. The longer I was on T, the worse my dysphoria got, because I knew deep down I would never physically change enough to truly be male, just an imitation of a man. Ugh. I felt like I was constantly putting on an act, pretending to be someone else. I missed my original voice and hated what I had done to myself. My physical and mental health got even worse, and I had developed an eating disorder to become very underweight so my hips would not be visibly female. I quietly stopped taking tea, and a few months later, my brain started to feel like it was working again. It's been nine years since I stopped, and I have not wanted to take tea again. It's clear to me now that I was just a lesbian struggling with puberty, and many of my issues with my body and wanting to escape womanhood stem from sexual abuse I experienced during childhood. Processing that trauma and giving myself time have helped me accept my body and being a woman. My face and voice now pass as female again, I hope, but I mourn my old voice every single day. And I desperately wish I had never started tea. Here's another one. And this one's pretty intense because this person had a double mastectomy at 13. I began seeking therapy at 11 and was referred by a pediatric therapist at the Stockton Kaiser facility to the gender clinic in Oakland, where I received over affirmative care after only a few appointments. I was not adequately evaluated on a psychological level. I was provided testosterone at 12 and a double mastectomy at age 13, still in middle school. Around age 16, I stopped refilling testosterone prescriptions slash scheduling appointments, and nobody on my team reached out to me. I have irreversible damage such as double incision scars slash misplaced nipple grafts, damaged nerve endings, Adam's apple, body and facial hair, which has not ceased growing, despite being told it would if I stopped testosterone. Relationships with peers were damaged. I've been socially and emotionally, maybe even physically, stunted. My parents were given the same dilemma of, quote, would you rather have a dead daughter or an alive son, end quote, by my doctors. Here's another one who's angry. Gender doctors are stupid AF. They claimed I was a success case and were truly proud. They are just as delusional as I was in my teenage years. I said I was a guy when I was 15. They immediately took that as the pure truth, even knowing I had a past of childhood sexual abuse followed by rejection of femininity. I started HRT at 15, stopped for a while because my doctors weren't sure. Their brains, in, in parentheses, their brains tried to work for a while. Then I was on HRT from 16 to 18, almost three years. 
and I had a mastectomy in 2020, a month after I turned 18. I tr detransitioned that same year during lockdown. And then this was powerful to me. Somebody feels observed. They wrote, I already disclosed my timeline to my friends. If I do it here, they will know right away based on the numbers. Meaning, I guess, their friends will know that they participated in the survey or that they're on the Reddit, at, which would mean their friends are watching the Reddit but aren't, aren't supportive of their experience enough to let them speak. That level of surveillance freaks me out. I just thought I, I kind of pulled that quote out because it's unsettling. Here's another was given tea the very first session I had with a trans health GP, trans health is in quotation marks, but had been referred after months of therapy with a psychologist who knew I had PTSD from sexual assault and who I'd also expressed a desire to be able to reconcile being female and gender nonconformity too many times during our sessions. So ongoing themes, people talk about their suicidal ideation not being solved by transition, but getting worse. Mac and I on a previous episode, both, talked a bit, semi-admitted, but didn't spend any time on the fact that we have been suicidal in the past. Um, we actually asserted that without finding lesbians, specifically our community of femme lesbians who want specifically female masculinity from women, we could have gone through with that. Without finding a community that could validate just my actual body and self, like radical self-acceptance, of my desires and my body, I don't think I would have been long for this world. And I mean, there are other recurring themes. There's the theme of sexual assault and the theme of deep discomfort with your body coming from bullying. Um, there is the theme of social contagion that comes up over and over, particularly in online spaces, um, which I think begs the question of the, the experience of girls during COVID, um, because a lot of this is a very disembodied solution, right? Like you, if you're in, if we're just thinking on an experiential level about what's happening when you feel really disconnected from your body and you find words and ideas and thoughts that make you feel different. I have done that before. I've hungered after that. Um, I, I just think the screen experience probably matters a lot. It probably has a lot to do with how people feel with regard to their bodies and how much they face them. And it just seems like looking at TikTok cultural production these days, like the dominant message to girls going through puberty and fucking hating themselves like I did and feeling deeply wrong with their masculinity, just like I did, that the, the way out is not through. The way out is out and beyond and away from who you are and who you have been and other people that you share a sex class with. So like, that's the kind of stuff that is freaking me out because kids are seeing that and thinking, well, if I'm gender non-conforming, I must be a trans soul. I must have been a soul of a, another gender since birth. And so now I just have to do things to fix myself. So this has been part one of this episode, a wild romp, a difficult to handle exploration of the responses to the screen demographic survey from the r slash dtrans subreddit for 2023. Um, the rest of this episode is going to look at some more official public studies uh, and how they're dealing with girls, because shit is shit. It's fucked right now. Enter the Mac and Rachel frenetic midnight data analysis team. You know, what I found mm -hmm. is the number three most read article right now on WAPO is titled, the crisis in American girlhood. And um, 
it covers basically the like heightened situation with dick pics which i can vouch for as a teacher like at literally the entire culture of youth these days is about penises in a way that i don't think it's ever been like this intense um and then you know it says many girls across the country describe teen cultures of slut shaming um peers greeting girls with sexist slurs like basically they're tortured if they're gender yeah. conforming by the dick pics extra <laughs> shocker Shocker. Um, and then the last part, this is what made me just want to punch my computer straight in its face is the subhead for the last section is listen to girls. Yeah, right. It's according to the CDC study, it's 20% of females were electronically bullied during the past year. Mm-hmm. High schoolers. Well, and I don't even know, you know, I was looking at the actual survey items and it's like, how do they frame those things? I think a lot of girls, they don't feel like all of that is necessarily bullying. It's like they're trying to talk about even the broader culture. Like, is a dick pic bullying? Yeah. So they actually do have like the questions available, which is nice. That's what I was diving into, like truly diving. But they're not very specific. Like, the question no. electronic bullying is literally have you ever been electronically bullied? <laughs> then I think a lot of people don't identify with that word bullied. No, they don't. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I had like more than one, one really glaring, but more than one incident where a boy like airdropped to everyone in the room, a picture of his dick. Is that bullying? Nobody would report that as bullying, but it's like, yeah, it fucking is culture. though. Yeah. It's like forming a culture, which is what these girls are describing. Okay. So what did you, you have looked probably more closely at Kaiser than I have um well yeah yeah okay so what is our goal today because i am currently in my feelings um which are just rage um so i mean our goals could be just planning our approach or we're just you know reporting back to each other what we found and then going from there it doesn't necessarily have to be like creating a final product today necessarily yeah especially for something this complex but I suppose we can talk through what we found. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I the first thing that I hunted for was what you had brought up in the last episode. And I think it it's worthy of repeating that this is according to the CDC data, which there are actually two different surveys. So the CDC did what looks like a special survey for right. COVID, right? Right, right, right. So I'm talking about the general one. You're talking um, about youth risk behavior. Yeah. Survey. What is that acronym? Yeah, youth risk behavior. YRBS. Yeah. yeah. Right. But yeah, there is a second one that's like overlapping that's got COVID related stuff. So I really dug into that second one, which is Adolescent Behaviors and Experiences Survey. Mm, I, I have also read that one. Yeah. Just not right now. But yes, I have also read that one. That's the one that upset me I, the most. I, um, can, um, I can pull that one up. Actually, I've got it bookmarked. But um, if we look at the youth risk behavior survey data, you know, we see some changes in drug use that you brought up last full episode, which yeah, which are pretty key. In twenty nineteen, um, users people people who had ever used so they, these are so in twenty nineteen among high school students, and these categories are going to be divided by sex. 
And again, the youth risk behavior survey is not great on the matter of gender. It doesn't disaggregate sex from gender. So you're capturing some transgender students in the opposite sex category. You can look at the data yourself and see how much that affects some of these broader issues we're talking about. But we can be certain that it affects the the issues that Jack Turbin writes about in terms of who actually is captured as identifying as transgender when sex is the criterion. Um, students who described having ever used cocaine, inhalants, heroin, meth, hallucinogens, or ecstasy. Um, 15% of boys in 2019 and 14% of girls in 2019. And then those numbers basically flip. In 2021, you've got 15% of girls and 12% of boys. So the boys, the boys using illicit drugs have dropped by three percentage points and the girls using illicit drugs have increased by one percentage point. Mm-hmm. So I just yoinked 2019 and 2021 for those purposes, mm-hmm. 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 but I, I think the data that you're looking at is more, <laughs> more to our, um, well, not to our benefit, to... more to our yeah. utility. More to our utility. That's that's what data is for. Here, let me screen share. Let me show you what okay. I'm looking at. So this is what I'm looking at. The and I like made it a okay, made yeah, it a PowerPoint so I could like flip through it. And I took I like took out some stuff. So Max PowerPoint is accessible in the show notes. And if you feel like supporting Stonebush Disco, um, the website, the project, the podcast uh, at patreon.com slash stonebushdisco, uh, there you will find the video, the screen cap of our conversation as we are having it. Would you read that they have, um, they have some liberty as to which survey items they require students to answer? Um... This is a weird thing. So, yeah, no. So I, that's, I mean, I was looking at it on here, but yeah, go ahead. What, what did you? Well, this is another, another reason to question my paying for the Washington Post every month, but there's a really terribly headlined article. The headline is CDC news release magnified spike in sexual violence against girls. Now, if you change the D in magnified to an S, then the headline is CDC news release magnifies spike in sexual violence against girls, which would make it which sound a, like there is a spike. A good thing. Yeah, they're calling attention to a spike. <laughs> well, that's not what the article is about. The article Yikes. is the opposite. Um, CDC oh, news geez. release magnified spike in sexual violence against girls. What this person is saying is that the spike that it reported, and this is the 2023, like, the 2023 press release about the 2021 data, they're saying that there right. was a spike in sexual violence reported by girls. This article is saying that that was magnified falsely. <laughs> so what a great fucking headline, right? Um, also like magnified falsely how? Well, like... so here's what they say. They say there's like some bullshit around using decimal points or not using decimal points so that the so that using the percent change in quotation marks, the percent change was misleading compared to like looking at the actual percentages of reporting between the that's, two. That's what they always fucking say. That's it's just like basic true. like data, like right. um, literacy. Like what? I just, I feel like it's also worth asking why people were like all up in arms that this might have been over-reported. That's yeah, weird. right. Why were, like, why are we so obsessed with the idea that rape might be overreported by good, girls, mm-hmm. but, or not over, excuse me, not overreported, but miss, I guess, I, yeah, you know, like misrepresented by the CDC survey. Yeah. But, but anyway, like girls are lying about having been having experienced sexual violence, which is or, always what people are like assuming, but it's like one step removed. It'd be like the CDC is lying. 
about girls having experience having reported no the cdc has has reasons to lie about things like you know how covid spread in order to get everybody to go back to work (laughs) they don't really have any reason to lie about how girls feel i don't think yeah it's so what they're saying is hang on this is where the school thing comes in most of these missing data can be attributed to some schools administering wire BS questionnaire versions that didn't include questions about rape. But what they're saying is they're saying that basically the school districts where they would not. That says they're underreporting it. That's right. Thank you. That what is the exactly, fuck? That's what that's I was literally about saying. Say. They're underreporting no, but sexual assault. That's what I was about to say. They, these people in this Washington Post article, and may, I know they're citing quote unquote experts or whatever, but they're saying the school districts that did not include it as an item are more likely, potentially more likely to have lower actual incidences of sexual Absolutely not. <laughs> I know. Absolutely I know. not. No, they're schools who have higher incidence of that and administrators are trying to cover their ass are you kidding me i mean obviously right obviously i mean i think i'm living in a region where those things might have been removed and that might be that's that is the exactly that's an example of occam's razor right there right jesus so washington post needs to get their shit together because here in this article they're saying the cdc release magnified the spike so falsely but over here on the right hand column they're saying that one of the top most read articles is about the crisis in American girlhood. And then in that article, they've got people talking about how sexual violence has spiked. What the fuck, man? So it's like, can we all just agree on what the hell? So I think this is one of those moments where I'm like, okay, so whoever just basically has the largest reader base is the one who wins, even within one single newspaper. Also, like, this is exactly why newspapers should not be getting in bed with nonprofits to produce data and surveys that they can support their own ideas with. Like, that's not cool. You can't do that. Like, yeah, no, that's a conflict of interest. Like, and, and we can see that the, the article that kind of moved us toward this episode, which I think there's, there might be enough for us to use here, at least as a teaser for like a longer analysis, if we want to do it. Oh yeah, for sure. And there's now multiple articles in the Washington post using this data. Yes. Yeah. Questionable effect. So the first one that I saw was the headline, most trans adults say transitioning made them more satisfied with their lives. I wanted to read this because I wanted specific data and information about the impact of transitioning on like essentially the impact and the prevalence of medical transitioning and how much it helps people. That is what I was looking for. And that's, this was them announcing the study that they had done. Right. And and the the headline promises that information, right? It promises you're going to maybe hear something about the prevalence of medical transition because it implies transition, right? Most trans adults say transitioning. Yeah. They're satisfied with their lives. It doesn't apply. It just straight up says like. Well, for most readers, that would be, that would be medical transitioning. That was my understanding of the headline. Mm. But then, okay. So you get the two, like the lead piece, the lead like descriptions here. And then the like one liner that kicks you into the article repeats again. Most trans adults say transitioning has made them more satisfied with their lives. And then nine paragraphs in, This is the ninth paragraph. The post-KFF survey, so this WAPO survey with the Kaiser Family Foundation, is it Kaiser or Kaiser? I think it's Kaiser. I think it's Kaiser. Um, So I've heard the ads on NPR enough times, I'm pretty sure it's Kaiser. Yeah, that's why. Okay, that's why I knew that. 
Um, so the, the ninth paragraph down says the, the Washington Post Kaiser Family Foundation survey finds that trans adults hold widely different ideas about what it means to transition. While most trans people have socially trans, okay, while most trans people, while most trans people have socially transitioned, meaning they've changed their clothing, names, or pronouns, far fewer have medically transitioned. Less than a third have used hormone treatments or puberty blockers, and about one in six have undergone gender affirming surgery or other surgical treatment to change their physical appearance. So yeah. in the ninth paragraph, in the ninth paragraph, we hear that what the headline says it's going to do is not what, what the survey It's did. literally not what the survey found. The survey actually conflated, conflated medical transition with something called social transition. And then within social transition included buying from the men's section. Right? Like that. Yeah. yeah Meaning it's... they've changed their clothing, names, or pronouns. Okay. Here, I'm so, trying to find that one on here my issue is it's not it's not providing it's not delivering on the data that it promises to provide and it's also conflating essentially what we are back with a trans person yeah no literally and the um, there's so much wrong with the with the data here it's like painful but yeah that's that is functionally what it's doing and it does it over and over again where it 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 literally subsumes all lesbian, gay, bisexual, queer people into the category of transgender. Trans. Yeah. Like literally data shown only for trans adult sample due to small sample size of LGB adults, which right. if you go back to the main sample, like is 515 people well, is and the okay. total trans adults. That's they they yeah, 550, 515 trans adults responded to the survey, but here's something. You know, you have the little like poll quote on the side about how we conducted this survey. Yeah. Well, that actually does not capture the entire paragraph about how they conducted the survey, which is at the bottom of this article. And there is a sentence in like when I started trying to figure out yeah, how they was operating. Yep, I had questions about that that I'd highlighted here. Yes. Like, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I mean, did you catch the additional trans respondents were recontacted from previous randomized telephone interviews? Yeah, that is that's a weird thing. Why did they feel the need to reach back out to those 31 people? Because they already they're not meeting the minimum size for a statistical like statistical significance, as no. I was taught it, which is a thousand. Um, and saying that like this is a this population represents has statistical significance because the whole population is over a thousand is dumb as fuck because they then go on to like use each discrete category as if it were nationally representative like or nationally uh representative right and they're both under a thousand so yes yes because what because it matters what no. they're really trying to say something about. So they're trying to yeah. say something about either the population of cisgender people or the population of transgender people, but neither of their populations, like neither of their sample sizes actually meet statistical significance to be talking about those experiences. So you can like, it's like, it's like anything. Yeah. Like, and also they, they straight up say, uh, so the full sample of us adults was weighted to match the like demographics, but like, the fucking trans sample of adults is definitely not because I finally found the age question and it is exactly what you'd expect. 
I see you there. So sorry, I was clicking around. No, um, you're good. The age question is, you know, essentially that it's weighted to young young people, right? Yeah, it's um, massively weighted to young people. Like the the total adult sample actually is, except it. Well, sort of actually. Hold on, I actually did the math. So this is the total USA. This is the USA that I pulled from. Uh, okay. Uh, the what's we're looking for the census real quick, and then the total adults in the KFF survey and then the trans adults in the KFF survey. And you'll see that the, you know, total adults are pretty representative right. of America, like, but it's like a bell curve. Yeah. Uh, trans adults. It's not even close. Like it's mm. wildly under representative of, you know, older folks. And well, and then that's a methodological question. Which... Did they need to make sure that their sample, like that their age samples were wa- appropriately weighted or is that like genuine data from the responses of these randomly chosen trans folks or ran- randomly sampled trans folks i feel like those are two like those are two different questions then you're asking a totally different question like if you're yeah i don't know like because the especially the the thing that the age thing like made me think about though or like started to become relevant is like a lot of these questions like are impacted by how old you are like you know like uh where where are we um i was wondering about like where you get your health care like 12 percent total trans adults get their health care through their parents thus they must be 26 or younger yeah yeah um, um experiences with health care can you can we talk about what are the actual like survey questions how how they're worded about whether you're transgender oh yeah absolutely there it's on here i just we don't really understand or i don't understand yet wait hold on hold on hold on the comparison sample of the u.s adult population is this a comparison sample of the u.s adult population or is this a uh a purposive sample of cisgender U.S. adults. Those are different things. Yes, yes, it is a purposive. Uh, yes, of of straight cisgender adults, basically. But because they don't ever include the the just LGB numbers in anything, because it's not big enough of a sample, even though it's like a hundred people. Like so, these the cisgender adults who are being used as a comparison population were. They said that they were cisgender. Where? How? Uh. So okay. They. I don't know if these questions are in order. Like they're in order on here. Well, but so what I'm. So basically, they ask what sex were you assigned at birth on your original birth documents. Is the first one, and then please select all the ways that you currently describe your gender. But I still have my question. My my basic question about how they reached cisgender people via the Gallup poll and SSRS and stuff like that. Like, you know, how did they even get tossed into the 800 in the first place? So that's, that's why I was wondering what, what, uh, um, the probability based online panels. Right. Right. Because because here. Oh yeah. Okay. The comparison sample of the U S adult population was conducted using the SSRS opinion panel, primarily online. That's okay. The way that they're wording that is very suspect to me because 
they're not, they have not said that it's a comparison sample of the U.S. adult population. They've said that it's a purposive sample of cisgender adults. So they say, I mean, they do say in the methodology, the comparison sample of the U.S. adult population, but it's 823 people. But, but a comparison sample of the U.S. adult population could include trans people, is my concern. Oh, I see what you're yeah, saying. That's yeah, not, that's not the same thing as a purposive sample of cisgender adults who have been already decided to be cisgender via an SSRS opinion panel. Huh. Yeah, that's a good point because in the questions they narrow it down. Like, right. It's not just like click a box, cisgender, transgender. They ask you a couple different ways and arrive at the, and, you know, say that they arrive at the trans adults number basically through process of elimination with the questions. See, that's what's strange. Why would you have a different, if that's going to be the way you select people and you're going to disaggregate them according to cis or trans within your own survey, why would you then recruit? participants in different ways why did they use That's a good question right? why did they use three po- probability based online panels three different ones to recruit trans adults and then supposedly recruit a- because they only got 85 trans adults through ssrs opinion panel Uh-oh. they probably tried that first when we can't this isn't a big enough sample and then started chopping around and figured out more okay That's, trans and non-binary right. people that, use gallop that has to be it that has to be like but they should have fucking we had to deduce that they should have said that in their in their methodology yeah no they don't say that no but they should have they had a moral responsibility to fucking say that because now you have a situation where like the ssrs opinion panel has produced it, it it has potentially told us something about the realities of how trans and cisgender people like distinguish between each other that we don't have that information because it's already been kicked out of what we're what we're learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever whatever was used to distinguish them from each other in the SSRS panel, I want to see that. That is what I want to see. Because mm-hmm. then then they go on to then. That's a great point. Because yeah, then they go on to ask all these questions of those two samples. Treating them but, yeah, they don't tell you how they arrive at. The total adult sample yeah that's yeah that's a good point yeah i mean i'm i'm looking at what pa- like what not what page what item number like what question they kick them over yeah trans q1 trans q2 so that's yeah. how they're, they're yeah, showing yeah. you how they would like actually progress through the survey yeah um, and then the other the, like the main thing they're going they're like finding too is the like in you know, whether or not the answers to the first two questions are, are sex at birth and our gender. Right. So they, they have data on sex at birth, but they choose not mm-hmm. to disaggregate it in their findings. No, they just have total adults. Okay. That's, that's a choice. Yeah, they have total adults, 52% female, 48% male, but they don't have it broken down more than that, I don't think. Yeah. So they've they've essentially decided, like, prior to designing the survey that if there is a difference between the way transgender, like, if there is a difference between the transgender experiences or journeys or, like, the way this is lived between people born female and people born male, that's immaterial. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yep, it's absolutely immaterial. It's immaterial. It matters not. And of course it matters to me because when you're reading the article, the WAPO is like, 
saying a lot it says it's going to say a lot of things that it doesn't that it then actually kind of just completely counters but but to say that like socially transitioning includes wearing men's clothes yeah what and so i i think methodologically obviously we've got an issue where like the, the most basic basic question about whether we can know anything about anything is like self-reporting bias and they don't mm -hmm. solve it because they're not they don't even care what trans means in this survey not really i mean they because they've broken it down as and th well they really don't care what you know they don't care to differentiate the trans experience from the like gay lesbian bisexual experience either from other because yeah. they yeah because they totally and especially in the article they do this they just admit to completely subsuming those things together right know, saying it's like oh you've ever been attacked for because they can't because their samples suck so hard they can't actually like have a sample of gay adults that are quote-unquote cisgender i mean they're they're not so they can't actually compare make any real comparisons at all i mean it's true and the basic issue here is like it is a matter of semantics whether you and i say we are cis comma gender non-conforming or trans comma gender non-conforming because we're gender non-conforming so Literally. we could have responded being gender non-conforming having that be the material basis of our experience and having this survey try to say things about the material experience of human beings it is it is inaccurate fundamentally inaccurate to include gender non-conformity as a form of transness only and then to put that under the umbrella of trans adults and that's what you're talking about yeah. with subsuming subsuming all sexual and gender identities if they wear clothes if they're female and they wear clothes from the men's section or male and wear clothes from the women's section, they are then gender non-conforming. And then it is a matter of words, whether they choose to say that that's part of a trans experience or a cis experience. But also like not even, not even that though. So like when they're talking about uh, thinking about your own life these days, how often do you feel discriminated against because of your blank? Um, and it has gender identity or gender expression and sexual orientation and things like that but they hear the they have this question do you consider yourself to be gay lesbian queer or bisexual and so only eight percent of the total adults sample yeah you know, which this this n1338 includes that's the other thing that confuses me is that actually this n1338 includes both the trans the total right. trans adults and the like 823 total adults you know, or, or comparison right. sample, which could be helpful um, in certain circumstances, but you want both. You want the total adults, but you, you kind of need both, yeah. especially when they then go on to say, "Asked among those who identify as LGBT a billion times," with a little footnote where you go down and read and say, "Data shown only for trans adult sample due to small sample size of LGB adults." And I mean, what you also end up with, I feel like, is that you know, when seventy percent of the total trans adults have answered yes to gay, lesbian, queer, or bisexual, if you don't pull those categories apart at all, if you don't disaggregate, right. you're, not, you're not seeing the difference between what is, what is discrimination or experience based on your you know, gender nonconformingness or your 
sexuality or right. your, you know, presentation. There's no way to like pull any of those things out at all. And we know, I mean, we know as butch women and people listening to this podcast that walking around, sometimes the discrimination you face is because they have read you accurately for the sex you were assigned at birth. And they don't like that you have sex with the person that you're with. Like that, that, yeah. that like getting, getting pegged, <laughs> no pun intended, uh. but uh. getting, getting pegged as having a certain body is, is what discrimination on sexual orientation often feels like. And we're not able to disaggregate that here at all. And. And so in, in the article, then in their, you know, the most trans adults, et cetera, et cetera, article, they say one, and, and this is how they end up framing it. One in four trans adults say they have been physically attacked because of their gender identity, gender expression, or sexual identity. Right. So, so they don't, there's no disaggregation at all, not at all. which just, uh, it tells, it tells you nothing. It just totally, the whole survey just disappears bodies. <sighs> it just disappears bodies and material reality. And, and it claims to say that transitioning makes you happier, but then it doesn't define transition. So how do you have a headline that says trans people report transitioning makes you happier, but then there's no definition of transition used within the survey whatsoever. Yeah, and in fact, the survey finds that it's about 50-50 between respondents that uh, physically present as a gender different from their one assigned at birth between most and all of the time and none or some of the time. Whoa. It's 50-50. Yes. Like, that's... Some way. Yeah, so look, so so this is some of the time 34%, none of the time 16%. This is... Most of the time, 20. All of the time, 30. This is literally 50-50 if you break it up like that. Only some or none versus, Whoa. like, you know, a majority of the time. Yes. It is, like, weirdly Which, 50-50. Good call. Yeah. Good call, Mac. Um, I was, like, doing the math. I was like, wait, that's... That's actually 50-50. <laughs> um, but then, okay, so here we have them actually breaking down has living as a gender that is different from the one assigned to you at birth. So people who physically present themselves differently. Yeah. These numbers don't exactly scream. Most trans adults are. They absolutely don't. Yeah. Made them more satisfied with their lives. Okay. Okay. So let's talk. Let's, let's go with numbers. Let's, let's break that down. A lot more satisfied and somewhat more satisfied are two very different things. Very. I'm sorry. I mean, a lot more satisfied is only at 45%. Based on the headline, I would have expected that number at least in the 60s, if not higher. Um, 45% is like kind of sad, honestly. It's not, <laughs> like, it's not a, yeah. It's not great outcomes. It's, those are not great outcomes. And somewhat more satisfied, 33%. And then you've got, you've got 22% who say less satisfied with, living as a gender different from the one assigned to them. I wonder what their stories are. We didn't get any, mm-hmm. we didn't get any reporting on that in the article. We didn't get any qualitative responses about that. In fact, there, you can, I saw there's like a little, I noticed a, a some, some small text in this that said that you can reach out, reach out to them for qualitative responses. Really? Yeah. Okay, well then we gotta do that. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, how are they going to, are they going to provide you all the qualitative responses? Because that's that shit I want. 
No, it's only one. It's like one particular question. Is there anything else you would like to tell us about your experiences of acceptance or discrimination as a trans adult so we can better understand your experiences? Um, also, how do you... This is please contact KFF if interested in seeing open-ended responses to this question. Intriguing. Um, yeah. So the, the survey claims that the central thrust of the headline was about the experience of transition. How much of the experience of transition is even addressed in the survey at all? Um, like right here, Q24. This is the this is basically the large and short of it. Is the the large and short of it. The long and short of it is is this Q24. So it's like what have you um, done to transition? Yes. And my I was using this weird like galaxy ink on yeah, I like it. PowerPoint that you I like can barely read now, but the 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 question I was asking myself is these you know, somewhat unexpectedly low numbers of, you know, undergone surgery or legally changed your name. I wonder how much age plays into that. The fact that the sample is heavily, you know, baby, 35 and younger. Yeah. Changed your hairstyle. Okay. So we have some interesting ones. Yeah. That's, there's some interesting choices on here. I mean, the way that they've worded these different elements of transition, I think every citizen trans person would want to see these. So G and H are interesting. Have you changed your hairstyle or grooming habits to better fit your gender identity? Have you changed the type of clothes you wear to better fit your gender identity? Haven't we done that? We have. What strikes me so much about this is like, do we want a survey on gender nonconformity or do we want a survey on the experience of transition, which is what it claims to be? And shit, I fucking hope. It's doing neither of those things. It's doing neither. I hope that transitioning makes you happier i certainly hope that it does but this survey can't say whether or not or who or anything about that um yeah it's not it's not what the survey says it's how the survey goes about right barely saying what it says and then they use it to say something totally different which again calling back to the fucking absolute conflict of interest that this represents especially because the washington post has published like four three or four like you know articles already this was published this past week and already multiple articles on washington post quoting this as like major you know as a major keystone of whatever their article's about which is well i think i really very transparent yeah i think the thing that you had up before really says it all which is like no they don't mostly say that it helps them and we're not even talking to a group of people who have mostly transitioned at all like even using no i mean using a different name is only at 57 percent for this entire group of people um gender affirming surgery is at 16 percent. hormone treatments is at 31 percent. any kind of medical intervention so the highest number is for hormones treatment which is 31 percent but None of the other things are medical intervention, which is what people traditionally know as transitioning. Uh. And this doesn't ask, and, and this isn't asking them like, do you see this as an important element of transition, or do you see this as, you know, oh, part of right. your journey? It's just, have you done this? Yes or yeah, no? Yeah, the question, which also doesn't really tell me a lot. I want to know how do you define transition for yourself? At what point will you mm-hmm. feel like you have transitioned? That's that's the thing I would like to know. And that's a, thing, that's a way more interesting survey. Right. And it's like, even if you can't do it in qu- quantitative, like method, you could at least have an open-ended question about how do you define that? Also like that's with those fucking like crazy 
articles with the like AI that take all of the like text you've gathered and like pull out like moods yeah. and whatever the fuck like that's where that shit comes in not that i have any idea how to do that stuff but i feel like it's there's still there's still a place for a qualitative response even if it's not just you know yeah i always wanted to just making a, an ethnography in that sense right, right. But, some sentiment analysis where we could at least take the yeah there we go yep. that. i knew i knew there was a word for that i was like there's a name for this yeah i did a little um, i did a little bit of that but i wasn't asking the right questions as a grad student now i feel like i know exactly what to ask um but so why do we give a shit about this survey mac why because for me it conflates us with the category of trans or at least seems entirely uninterested in um any measure of like freedom <clears throat> from gender norms that is not that has not been labeled a trans measure of freedom from gender norms that that the fact that it's you know the fact that it's washington post conducting its own surveys would make me interested in it regardless of the topic yeah. frankly and the fact that it's methodologically so fucked up and like so just these tiny 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 samples just makes me go like what are you thinking what are you thinking thinking? and what are you doing reporting on it like this like and this this doesn't help this doesn't help anyone give us real data please like it really doesn't help anybody except like talking point people and like ngos who you're in bed with who maybe Mm -hmm. maybe they could be doing good work but maybe also they could be exactly the reason that girls aren't okay (laughs) um yeah so what's the reporting is just abysmal if the survey itself comes up lacking the reporting on it is lying um and it 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 just like shit this is this is the like real this is the real cardinal sin to me the like when it starts to say the survey itself has a question and it says asked among those who identify as lgbt footnote Data shown only for trans adult sample due to small sample size of LGB adults. Then don't fucking say asked among those who identify as LGBT. Totally. Like, on the same page. That if, if yeah, you didn't like, get anybody who identified as LGBT. Go back to the drawing board. Also, how does that make sense? You've already got people who identify as transgender. So that's, and so, that's the thing that's like weird to me. This is where I don't understand the math. Okay, so this is total trans adults. Oh my adults. god, you're right. And it's, 515, ostensibly 70% of them are gay, lesbian, queer, or bisexual, which would be 360 people. And yet, in the total example, which includes the trans sample, yes. it's only 8% are gay, lesbian, queer, or bisexual, which is only 107 Wait, people. that doesn't make... You're right. So that I don't really understand what's out. going on here. I don't, think, yeah. I don't think that's possible. Yeah, this doesn't seem right to me. Out of a, no, no, it, that's impossible. It's impossible. Like something's fucked up there. Yeah, this this is not right. Cause, and yeah, because then like then all this shit like oh we don't have a a good enough like lesbian, gay, bisexual sample. I'm like, well, if you used all of the people that said they were non-binary or whatever the fuck and said they were lesbians yeah. like, also like get you would one. maybe have closer to a sample but also go back and find some that's what you, that's your job like yeah. well yeah get one and then also in all of these measures why the fuck don't you have like a clear 
differentiation so that people can answer whether they identify as gay, lesbian, queer, bisexual. It's like they're afraid of having information. They're afraid of data. There's no reason not to ask that question. They're, They're really, really set on conflating all trans people into the same category and defining trans, by the way, as not defined. So like... Because this is the other like place where the math doesn't check out. It says please select all the ways that you currently describe your gender, but less than one percent of the entire total answered that trans or transgender. Of the entire one percent answered non-binary of the whole. Wait, so they just wrote that wrong? That's not possible, right? I don't understand. I mean, I don't know. Like, what the hell? Uh, so this report is not well written. Something no, is wrong here. Is like, um, what are those asterisks standing for right there? Um, it's less than it's like less than 0.5 percent or something like that. Okay, so yeah, no, that doesn't make sense at all. Um, no. no. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, it makes sense that it doesn't make sense because look at how they define trans. It's anybody who has a non-binary experience and says that's a trans experience, has a gender non-conforming experience and says that's a trans experience, a trans woman, a trans man, or people who are none of those or identify some other way, but then got included into the group of trans adults for reasons that are not clear. Like there's even, there's a 3% here who don't identify as gender non-conforming, non-binary, a woman or a man and trans. They identify some other way that we're not told but they're included in the sample. 2% of them didn't even answer. That's just what? wildly irresponsible. It huh? Yeah. So what is the survey trying to prove? The only open-ended question it asks is about acceptance or discrimination, which are both super loaded words. That's yeah. a very loaded question. Um, and we're supposed to shy away from those when we do research design, of course. The other thing, and how do you how do you feel about Lisa Selen Davis's belief that gender affirming care itself is a loaded term, bro? Uh, I mean, it it plays into all of the. So I was reading another article that was the other night that was about like, you know, euphemisms and how we say things in order to not have it call into mind images, yeah, and. The this one Substack article kept quoting this George Orwell piece, which I had never read, um, but then of course read and was like, "Oh my god, this is the most prescient shit of all time." Um, politics in the English language. Yes. Um, oh my god, I don't. Th- I if I had read this in school, like I just had totally forgotten about it. But like, holy shit, this is this is everything. This is. It was written in 1946, and this is our problem. Like, mm-hmm. whoa. And just the the very obvious way that, you know, all of this vagueness and fake profundity and meaningless words are just used in order to lie and cover your ass. Right. Because there's no reason not to. Because if you're telling the truth, you could just be straightforward. He's talking about this, the poll. He says... A big majority of transgender people don't consider themselves. This is Andrew Sullivan using Orwell mm. to comment on language, right, not right. things. He's like a big, big majority of transgender people do not consider themselves a trans man or a trans woman. They prefer non-binary and gender non-conforming and distance themselves from both sexes. The vast majority have no surgery. 
Um, and again, the vast majority are also under... 53% of them are younger than 34, between 18 and 34. Okay. Um, but they're also being queried as though they're experts on on having finished transition that like on on whether it's yeah. happy um as as though it's a complete process and when you look further into the survey items it's like they're asking if you've if you've worn clothes like that you could ask me if i said yeah. if i said instead of my gender being woman gender non-conforming i said trans man gender non-conforming that's like which is words if if instead of instead of me saying cisgender nonconforming, I said transgender nonconforming. You could ask me like, do you feel better about your life after having shopped in the men's section? And I would be like, yes. <laughs> Which kind of points to the whole problem here is that it's not without disaggregating these experiences, you don't actually learn anything about any one experience. Right. You, you might learn to. something about both of them, but it doesn't you're not actually finding anything new or saying anything discreet. Well, yeah, we can say with confidence that what the article does is forge like continue to bolster the idea that trans is a category even while even while when, within itself insisting that and that transition is like this, you know, successful thing that you achieve and then right, everything's fine right. and you feel better and How can it how can it be a thing that makes you feel better when it's not one or even or even a like coherent concept how can it be a thing how can it be an entity if it's not like a thing to talk about in the world if it's not a coherent concept um yeah what is transition and clearly it's not helping that many people because one of the four articles that they published and you know in the flurry of articles was you know about a young man that fucking killed himself at like 24 after you know quote unquote yeah what some people would say is successfully transitioning and living as a man. Like, well, I mean, we know, we know. So I, I think it's useful to take this to a level that like people understand why we give a shit about this data. It's like, because we know from reading about so many people's experiences and from watching videos that detransition is a thing and that the people who are actually experiencing transition and detransition, like either or, or both, are not the main voices that are driving representation of trans experience now. That's very apparent in... Which is exactly what this survey proves, right. because only a small percentage of these people have actually done things that fall under the discrete category of <laughs> transition, transition, as it is generally known. Right. And that's that matters, because you and I know that people like us are getting hurt by that. Like... And it matters because the Washington Post is going out there and fucking, you know, saying that they, saying what they're, what the data that they, you know, jerry-rigged have found in order to question mark what, get clout, I don't know. But well, I mean, the fact that it's it's produced and then so quickly used in order to produce more things, it's just, it's suspect. We can, and, we can say what it really, really does for like the Kaiser Family Foundation and people who benefit from. They got grandfathered to do yeah. this for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It allows people to argue that transition is a thing that is an unquestionably good thing because it helps the majority of people. So anybody who identifies as transgender is trans, according to the Washington Post. 
Really? So what what the wash what this survey actually ends up doing, I think, is is putting in the trans category is it is sort of making a negativity of everything of else, right? That it's it's everything but completely cisgender. You know, click female on sex, click female on gender, you're you're you know, you're out. You're not in the trans category as opposed to Kaiser Family Foundation. But if there's any that's that's the right. I mean, I'm wondering if we would be put into that category if they broke down their questions to to actually target gender nonconformity in the way that it looks like they are. If um, they were actually concerned with the experience of gender nonconforming people, that would be a completely different survey. Right. You know. Well, that's why I'm I'm wondering. That's why I got stuck on this methodology page so early. How did they determine mm-hmm. who was trans? Or sorry, how did they determine who was cis? That is what really yeah, matters. Because they, they don't actually tell you they that. They do not tell you that. They do not tell yeah. you what cis is. And it's like, would Mac and I be in the cis category? Unclear. But I, I know for fucking certain that if I responded, actually, I'm gender nonconforming. And then they asked me about the experience of transition. I'm not, I'm not, I haven't done that. So I'm not going to be an authority on that in the way that they position like the trans respondents to the survey. Yeah. They say another 823 cisgender U.S. adults who a do not identify as trans and b their gender is the same as their sex assigned at birth which i mean to i think to uh, to my point actually doesn't you know isn't capturing if you wanted to disaggregate like the experience of the shit that you get from the world for being gay yeah. from the shit that you get from the world from being gender nonconforming this survey does not achieve that goal. It doesn't. And that in fact, it completely conflates those two things. It completely conflates them. And like it, it matters. It's, it's possible yeah. for somebody to look at me and be angry about like me being with Cardi if we're seen together because they read me as female and they're like, ooh, lesbians. But it's also possible for somebody to like discriminate against me because I look ma- like male, I guess. And then my voice comes out like, those would be two different types of discrimination and they're not, they haven't set up a framework for us to distinguish between them, which I guess means they haven't set up a framework for sex just to matter at all. Like for the femaleness no. question to come into it. Am, am I making sense or am I just talking? Yeah, no, you're totally, you're totally making sense. Okay. Cause not only, not only is the female part variable, not at play here, the, homosexual variable is not in play the actual yeah, like sexual orientation exactly. variable is not at play which that's and both of those are a real oversight into you know disaggregating the question the responses between trans adults and u.s adults so basically what this is very capable like, even not even not disaggregating those by sex like pure or gender or whatever period is like kind of stupid and doesn't really tell me a whole lot yeah <laughs> Because it would tell me a lot more if I could see, like, you know, because I'm assuming females of of both, you know, born and made or whatever, as it were, um, that would have more instances of negative of all of these sort of negative experiences they have getting kicked out of your house, blah 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 blah. Like, right? But they don't even bother to do that. No, they don't. Um. And how, I mean, shit, how are you going to have a survey about whether transition makes you feel better when for half the population, transition looks a very different way than the other half? Yeah. When you haven't even established what transition looks like. Oh yeah. And we're not even requiring it to be medical. So there's really no definition of the word trans or of transition, either word. 
No. Um, so this thing about discrimination is interesting because we're talking about getting lumped, right? Sexual orientation, getting lumped in with gender identity mm-hmm. on question two of what part of this? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It looks like their question items are a little... Yeah, they're kind of wonky. It's uh, the thinking about your own life these days. How yeah, often yeah, that one? That's what it was. Yeah. Um, thinking about your own life these days. How often, if at all, do you feel discriminated against because of your insert the item here? So they have the items are income level or education, gender identity or gender expression, sexual orientation, race or ethnicity. Um, so when we're looking at this we have also i have a beef with putting gender identity and gender expression in the same category also uh, like, yeah it's totally inaccurate exactly. those are two different things that's exactly what we're saying is the issue um, yeah that's the problem but we get discriminated against for our gender expression yeah so but here's my question how would how would anyone even know your gender identity looking at you like shouldn't shouldn't the only thing in this survey be gender expression what does it mean to be discriminated against because of your gender identity? Isn't that really just a, that you're being discriminated against because you're expressing a gender that is contra to your sex? That's an excellent question. And then it's then it's not you're not being discriminated against necessarily for I mean it's you're being discriminated against for your nonconformity. Right, to your sex. Yeah. So I don't actually even understand what discrimination like of against someone's gender identity even looks like. That's actually a great point. Expression, totally, but like identity. What does that mean? What does that mean? Discrimination in the sense of not saying the pronouns that you want them to say. Is that discrimination? That could be it, maybe. But I feel like that's being used as like the monolith category. Like they're saying that, you know, in the article at least, in the news article, they're saying uh-huh. like gender identity, sexual identity, all those forms of discrimination can be kind of conflated in the experience. Yeah. Trans adults this is this is it q3 the one right underneath that is asked of those who identify oh yeah as lgbt okay it's another one where it says asked among those who identify as lgbt however data is shown only for trans adult sample due to the small sample size of lgb adults what so because they don't count the lgb trans adults as lgb adults right even though they have give, they've actually created an item where they tell you whether they are. Yeah, I mean, they don't specify, <laughs> but they do tell you whether they're. But they authority. literally do. Yeah, yeah. So this that makes zero sense to me. I just want someone to reach out to me and explain, like on, yeah. But yes, also this this literally does gender identity, gender expression, or sexual identity. Like, have you ever been? In black and white conflates yes. them all. In which black is and white conflates cool. them. It's asking, have you ever yeah. been, like, has this thing, X thing, ever happened to you because of your gender identity, gender expression, or sexual identity, but it only asks the trans people? Which also is just kind of stupid because then it just doesn't tell you anything. If you can't compare it to something, what are you even doing? It's true. But notice how that line right there, this is the item that the newspaper article blows up and yeah. it's the item that arguably makes the least sense and has the least like also is not compared to anything like the the issue is you and i like should be in this <laughs> yeah well, yeah give a shit. no they should count like <sighs> yeah if they actually cared about 
knowing anything about you know what is specific about the trans experience they would want to have that as category i mean they, and want to know what yeah gender non-conforming people more generally experience so they can sort of be like okay what's what's what right. <laughs> they can tease it out a little bit more I and mean, if they want to if they want to talk about the experience of transitioning which is what they want to talk about and they include in transitioning clothing and other just physical changes gender non-conformity then we need to be in this survey and we are not in this survey and they've disaggregated cis from trans people in a way that they don't they don't actually disclose how they decided who was trans um yeah wow and then all this literally saying that sexual identity and gender identity are like the same thing if it's for if it's against a trans person that gender identity and sexual identity are the same thing are both trans cat are both trans experiences of transness that would make you get refused health care asked invasive questions fired evicted why not like you got the space why not ask two separate questions that's a great question why not ask two separate i feel like I. Would, why not ask two separate questions if I, had, if I had submitted this survey as like the survey that i submitted in my grad methods class and my anthropology class i would have gotten a c for this question for, specifically for this question like my my teacher like taught or not taught my teacher was an ethnographer who like looked at differences between male and female experiences in like the polynesian islands she would have circled this and been like who now what huh. why are you only asking like this subsection of your total population this specific question about sexual identity like they've just completely muddled everything muddied it yeah it's it's yeah, and I mean, you the methodological we, sins are many. We knew this when we opened the article, and we saw, oh wait, trans doesn't have a definition in this article again. Where like it's potentially a category that includes us. They're just throwing darts at the fucking dartboard in this article, in this survey, and I'm like, but it's like, where, how is this scientific? What's the point of the darts? Is it like so? Corporate journalism wants money. We want attention. NGOs want grant funding. They want attention, and they want donations and whatever. Is that yeah. what this is for? So this would essentially be yeah, clicks and yeah. grant because funding. it's clearly not done for coherent data. This must no. be done for some other purpose, and it feels like and it's it's already like a fucking factory farm for Waypo articles. Like yeah. you know they've had an article a day, literally based on this shit. Using this survey. based on this shit. So okay, here we go. It's... Whoa, we know that not everyone. Okay, we got to go through this bit. How they determined who's trans. So first they ask what sex were you assigned at birth. Then yeah. they ask you to select all the ways you currently describe your gender. Then here's here's stuff gets stuff gets iffy. Some people identify as trans, meaning they have a different you're reading this to the person. Some people identify as trans, meaning they have a different gender identity from their sex assigned at birth. Do you consider yourself to be trans? That is only asked to people who identified as a gender that's different from their sex at birth. Okay. And then if somebody says, no, like I do identify as a gender that's different from my sex at birth, but I don't identify as trans. Then they ask again, repeating what their survey item means. So, whoa, 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 whoa. So wait, 
so because in that first question, less than 0.5% actually answered what they wanted, which was trans or transgender, they just kept reframing the question until... To capture non-binary people. They got what they wanted? That huh. explains our questions about that previous item, where... Hold on. Why did they only have 1% non-binary people when that's not who's in the survey? Okay, that one still doesn't make sense. It still doesn't make fucking sense. Um, but so first they're like, do you consider yourself to be trans? Because it's a different gender identity from sex assigned to birth. And if they're like, still no, I still don't consider myself to be trans. Then they say, just to confirm, we're conducting a survey of people who are trans, meaning they have a different gender identity from their sex assigned at birth. Does this describe you or not? So they give them yet another chance to get in the trans category. And then, then the number goes up from 15% trans to 23% trans. So that would be a move to capture people who are non-binary, people who are gender non-conforming, et cetera, et cetera. When they could have just done a survey of people who identify as trans, they insisted on not doing that. Why? So they, they, pushed, they pushed their questioning until they grew the population of trans people. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. That's fascinating. And then Reed showed this to those who identify as trans now, but did not initially identify as such. And here we see a typo, which is letting us know that the flaws we're seeing are echoed in the typos. So mm -hmm. it says, those people who we finally got to say that they're trans, right? But in, in the words of the survey, did not initially identify as such. Here's what you say to those people. We know that not everyone is comfortable with the word trans, but for this survey, we must use one word to refer to all trans, transgender, and trans-adjacent identities. Because of this, we rely on trans to refer to all trans identities. Hmm. And then they ask, which of the following best describes how you think of yourself? And they include, in the in of trans people, they include people who still do not use the term trans. Yeah. And say some other way. And then they include people who gave no answer. Which is in the category of trans. confusing to me. But why? Why would you include those people in the category of trans? The ones who didn't answer your question. And here, that explains. So once they've said, you know, we all trans adjacent identities get referred to as trans. Once they've said that, that makes sense that the next item then breaks them down and has this, this construction trans comma gender nonconforming trans mm -hmm. comma non-binary they've told those people that they must use the word trans. So we just saw hmm. by looking at the survey, how somebody who came yeah. into the survey thinking they're just non-binary got told to use the word trans for themselves. Somebody who came into the survey thinking they're just gender non-conforming got told to use the word trans for themselves. Yeah. That totally makes sense. That, because, that's how that had to go. Yeah. Yeah. And explains the first, the, the, our gender responses where. Right. Only like 2% of people maybe use anything but male or female. But also, more people than that have to describe themselves as non-binary based on the numbers that they show us. Yeah. Something was fucked with in this survey that made non-binary people... Something made non-binary people not write non-binary until they provided the word trans to describe non-binary. I Well, that's because I mean, that's exactly what they did. Right. You know, they didn't, they didn't give them that option until the you know trans q3 but i mean they it looks like they did give them because non-binary but only one percent that's what i'm confused what about I'm is saying. only one percent of people picked it there but then then of the like total 
you know, 515 trans sample, which is again, like in that 1300 number. That's what I'm saying. This right here. This doesn't make sense. Like, no sense. Cause it's in the total number. It's not in just the cisgender population, which still wouldn't really make much sense, but it's the total number. Yeah. It's gotta be incorrect. There's no way that only 1% of people here asked about their gender, said that they were non-binary, when ultimately 40% of the people in the trans sample said that they were non-binary. That they were non-binary. The numbers don't check out. No, no. I mean, the same thing with, like, the do you consider yourself to be gay, lesbian, queer, or bisexual, like, where 70% of the trans adult sample is said yes, but only 8% of the total adults did. Right. Which doesn't Doesn't work. what what's happening and it it's it feels like they're a little comfortable with disappearing categories under other categories like what we just saw with non-binary become a trans category over the course of three questions that make it that way yeah yeah Um, which is no wonder like the then the like the the questions like what have you done to transition right have sort of unexpected responses because 40% of their sample is not binary. They're not talking to trans people. They're, <laughs> they're literally not. They're, that's like, not the main group of people that they're talking to. Like they're not talking to, I, I would say, they're not talking to transitioning trans people. They're talking no, to, they're talking to non-binary young people. Right. And I mean, shit, they just let shit not make sense. So like they, you know, their, their photographers take a picture of that non-binary person <gasps> wearing a shirt that says gender is a social construct but then that same person is quoted as saying non-binary people have always been here on earth bro like okay so gender is made up or not bro and then the survey of course treats trans adult as the evolution from being a trans kid um, and tells people stories that way and naturalizes it on the level of the body and as though being trans is the essence of each of these people who were surveyed individually equally that is that it was there from birth and that it has always been while promoting the idea with the photos that gender is a social construct you can't have you can't they can't be both i just fundamentally don't understand how anyone can be out here saying gender is a social construct and then saying people with my hyper specific gender identity that we only had a name for in the last 10 years have always been here and yet people always want to jump all over lesbians when we like will point to historical figures and be like, man, she seems like a lesbian. And they'll be like, well, they didn't have the word for that then. And like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. She liked to fuck girls. Definitely. Like, get away from you me. You know what I believe is transsexuals <laughs> have probably always existed. Transsexual people also know that gender is a construction. Their whole situation is like gender dysphoria and discomfort in their body, which is like a material thing. That is different than like, like basically saying they didn't have the word lesbian, so Ann Lister is a trans man. It implies that she's that she was transsexual, because that would be the only way that transness is is trans. It's like there were people that were doing that. Yeah, that were you know, dressing as men, living as men, having people call them like by male names, running around like. Yeah, they were both. But then there's another more useful methodology by the CDC that shows us how disaggregating categories can be incredibly useful and might actually show us something about how people are living their lives. <gasps> no way. Yeah. Did you hear? I mean, I really dig the adolescent behaviors and experiences survey methods. I haven't seen it. Oh, it's great. Yeah. yeah. It's so damn clear. Ugh. 
three-stage cluster sample design. So that's like narrow, narrow, narrow. So they they take like chunks of schools and then randomly select among them, but they basically make sure that like every region is covered and all that. Um, uh -huh. But they, they do a pretty good job of it if you dig down into the into the places that they went. Um, and like the all significant differences by demographic categories that they have at the back is very remarkable. Okay. Like it's really drives drives the point home. Are you showing me? I'll get back to that. Yes, yeah, I'm showing yeah. you now. So I have them highlighted, but uh. and so yeah, as in the sexual behavior one, it's it's pretty, you know, mixed as you can see, like between who's who's got it worse, but in yeah. substance use, violence, mental health and suicidality are all just like across the board the outcomes are worse for females and the gaps are insane uh, and the gaps are just bonkers and like the the overtime movement is also just nuts like they only show it for uh sex and race i wish they showed it for everything else but mm -hmm. just for sex alone like the some of the you know watching the steady decline of for boys and just girls it's just nothing right and yeah basically all of these face sheets the summaries female students um lgbq students and students with any same-sex partners were more likely than their peers to engage in every substance use behavior every alcohol behavior every yeah i mean all of them in the adolescent behaviors and experiences survey which is, I think the data is like aligned. It might, they might even have used data for both reports. They probably did. I'm going to go pull that up. But so the percentage of female students who felt sad or hopeless in the 12 months prior to this survey. So the survey was done in spring, 2021 in the 12 months prior. So this was like um, an attempt to capture COVID realities. Yeah. Um, yeah. The percentage of female students who felt sad or hopeless almost every day for two or more weeks in a row so that they stopped doing some usual activities, that was 56.5 for females and 31.4 for males. Um, the percentage of females who seriously considered attempting suicide, 26. Males, 13.6. Females who made a plan about how they would attempt suicide, 20% of females, 10% of males. Suicide attempts, 12.4% of females, 5.3% of males. Yeah, no, that's it's all the same findings here. It's just, it's terrible. Girls are fucking suffering and they're, and the Washington Post is telling us to listen to them. And then the Washington Post is not addressing sex for shit in the experiences of sexual or gender minorities at all yeah, it's it nope. literally does not even include sex in in the survey of what ended up being a very young population of people <laughs> about trans experience yeah. meaning the data wasn't disaggregated by sex yeah um so yeah just like you were saying the the data for people who have sex only with the same sex or with both sexes is also crazy compared to people who only it's, scary. it's scary that's honestly it's the scariest of all of it's them pretty nuts. which is yeah. So this is like actual same-sex homosexuality. 35% of those people in high school in the 12 months prior to 2021 spring, 35% actually attempted suicide. 11.7% for folks who have sex only with the opposite sex. Actual suicide attempts being reported. Yeah, that's fucking scary. 
48.1 same sex or both sexes made a plan about how to attempt suicide and 19 percent of opposite sex sex havers made a plan so like that shit is nuts 81 point i mean just the raw number not even comparing it 81.9 percent of gay kids or bi kids 81.9 felt sad or hopeless almost every day for two more weeks in a row this is why we need to start focusing on our fucking culture and like trying to make some bigger systemic changes because being stuck in this world where the only thing you can change is the shit that you buy and the decisions you make it's not helping we're we're in a world where we're like telling girls that the only thing they can change is themselves yeah and of course they're having the response that they're having they're like going into themselves and wanting to just die um somebody that was interviewed actually said something that i've wrote down radical acceptance doesn't make anybody any money it's true it's that's the long and short of it right there it's true but so you know the cdc has has just begun to try to survey trans youth because what's interesting to me when we're looking at like method is there's no there's no transgender category in this survey the thing is what's interesting is it's not a missing category because the cdc report is reporting exactly what it claims to be reporting about which is sexual minority well-being in high schools the question is how will the cdc go about addressing gender minorities among youth and I could only find a couple of like, like one in 2017, one in 2019 um, CDC reports that looked at like, like the 2017 one is transgender identity and experiences of violence, victimization, substance use, suicide risk, and sexual risk behaviors among high school students. I'm not surprised that's their first one. They do, their surveys are biennial, um, yeah. but I'm not surprised 2017 was the first one. Right, right. Um, and that's probably what, you know. Part of what's responsible for the dirt of the data is just they haven't been doing it very long and they like to be able to have like right. five to ten years of something before they go and blast it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, what the CDC does that Kaiser and the, and WAPO don't do is explain why it's not disaggregating things. So yeah. there's a paragraph in that study that says um, to produce prevalence estimates for transgender identity, respondents were categorized based on responses to the pilot question into the following four groups. One, no, I'm not transgender. Two, yes, I am transgender. Three, I'm not sure if I'm transgender. And four, I don't know what this question is asking. To examine behavioral comparisons, respondents were categorized based on responses to the pilot question and the question about sex, what is your sex, into the following three groups. One, cisgender males, male, not transgender. Two, cisgender females, female, not transgender. And three, transgender students. And here they tell us, because it is unclear whether transgender students' responses to the sex question reflected their sex or gender identity, this analysis could not further disaggregate transgender students. Students who responded that they were not sure if they were transgender or that they did not know what the question was asking were excluded from behavioral comparisons, which is the appropriate thing to do, WAPO. Not just lump them in with everyone else and keep on going. (laughs) What the fuck? Keep going. We're all going to the same, like, non-location. Um... So yeah, so basically they were essentially just categorized based on like, what's your sex? Are you transgender? But so, and this is how we have just fucked over children because when kids are asked about their sex, they don't necessarily know whether that's their gender identity or their sex at birth. I mean, they should know. Which I feel like asking a yes or no question would be a little more 
would make a little more sense given what they're going for. Yeah, asking a yes or no. Is your gender identity the same as what your sex assigned at birth was? Is that just messy? Why aren't they asking it that way? Why aren't they asking it that way, though? I feel like that would be easier. It seems easier. Also, it might be also, more I think accurate. Potentially what they're concerned about is the fact that this is also linguistically messy and that there's no way to, like, they haven't been able to figure out a, the best way to ask the question in the first place to get what they're going for. There's no reason they shouldn't have been able to disaggregate transgender students from born female and born male. If they're going to do that with cisgender females and males. Yeah. Um, what's the point? Why are we all lumping them? So basically, there's no good CDC data on being transgender. There's, from what I've seen, there's not really a lot of good data on it, not in nationally representative samples, like at all. Well, and everyone who claims to be doing it is doing some hackney ass job. Like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, no. 515 like do better waypo the national center for transgender equality polled 27,715 people but it is it is difficult to trust a read or like the way that things are being framed if these things are being framed as though the category trans has no definition like no coherent definition yeah i I worry about that i worry because then like we see at waypo they can just sort of massage the numbers to say whatever they feel like right which again call me call me old and and crotchety and suspicious but (laughs) that don't smell right we just we can't have a survey of a group of people that you haven't defined as a group of people like that fundamental the question of how did we exclude cis people from the group of trans people there's no you cannot have data without an answer to that question that's that's coherent and it's not it's not on the wapo survey at all um, no not a whole lot is coherent in that survey period frankly i mean reading it literally i have a headache right now and i think it's from getting down in those pages and realizing that, like, also the tiny ass fucking font well there's that Come on man and then there's like jesus the statement of this is about lgbt people but we didn't have any lgb people so it's actually just t people that literally that did like psychic damage to me every time i fucking read it i was just like like dude why also if it's gonna be on every page that feels like something you would want to put in the introductory comments on methodology might be something you want to think about i just if you have to make that clarification every time that you like don't have a sample big enough to actually make a legitimate comparison think about your maybe go back to the fucking drawing board Uh but they already spent so much money who approved this? <laughs> and then, and then you have the like deeply contra- like contrasting the crisis in American girlhood, and these are all gender conforming girls, and it's just like, where do you think the we's are? Where? How do you think the we people are doing? Because I see them, I taught them, and they're not doing great. No, and they're not in this Even article, worse. and they're not in that article, and it seems likely that. If, if there were surveyors trying to talk to them, um, they would have gotten forced into a category of trans because they might have said, I don't really identify with gender norms. And then the people doing that survey would have said, oh, it's trans comma gender nonconforming, which is exactly the way they routed. Yeah, that's how we get routed into categories that actually just normalize heterosexuality, all the same shit. Like, you're just sorting people. 
literally. And sorting them back into the categories that, like, the fucking the generations of women fought really hard to yeah. start to fucking crack. And no, we're just going right back yep. into the past. We're going right back. What the fuck? And it's like, really, if you're looking at the the coverage of the stuff about girls, so many so many quote unquote experts are being quoted like, oh my God, there's no way it's that bad because health outcomes have been getting so much better. Like there's somebody in this one saying like they drive people, kids drive with seat belts, they smoke less, they have less sex. And it's like, well, maybe it's because all you people who like you, you've been touting that we're progressing. Like when your world gets cleaner, you give even less of a fuck about the people who nobody pays attention to. It makes me really angry, actually, reading these people like, yeah. really? And we just thought that kids were getting so much better. It's like, yeah, that's what happens when you're looking at, like, easy shit, when you're not actually looking at the hard life that women have when we're kids, which is, like, what yeah. nobody wants to look at. But nobody wants to talk about. And and that, of course, is getting worse in a day and age that what passes for feminism is, you know, feeling bad about yourself and spending money to attain the feminine yeah. ideal. Literally, that's what passes as feminism. Like, no wonder girls are depressed. If we're being real, real honest, it's like hip-hop feminism, which has no definition other than, like, being sexually attractive to boys. Like, it's just having as much sex as you can. And if you're not doing that successfully... It's, it's like, it is totally video vixen feminism. It is video vixen feminism. And I will tell you, my students are two Oof. one victims of that. Basically, if you're not a video vixen who's trying, who's in that fight, then you're gender nonconforming and you have decided that you're not a girl because you're just not doing it right. That is a fact. Whoever's listening to this, go to a classroom, see it. It's happening. It is. We are destroying girls' autonomy because we're making half of them obsessed with boys in a new way with all the dick pics they're getting and the way social media works and all that stuff judging themselves half of them are, are in that game and the ones who aren't have decided they're not girls because they can't and those those people are still being tortured for their sex they're still being sent dick pics extra because they're gender non-conforming um but they have no language of feminism to hold them up for shit that's why no there's a a quote from in it was published on andrew sullivan's Substack, but it was by uh, katie hersog uh, Quote, instead of saying, I'm a woman and I reject gender roles, non-binary ideology says, in effect, I reject gender roles and therefore I'm not a woman. That's actually literally it, isn't it? Oh my god. That's, that's, insert oh. Animal Crossing arm sweep oh here. Oh my god. Like, it's true, and it's like, look. It's bad. Look at the numbers of female people and male people who identify as non-binary just look just look and just think about it and look you can identify as non-binary all you want be an adult be yourself use they them pronouns do your thing but think about if that's your, if that is if that's who you are go with god if that's who you I are love you go with god but <laughs> you too you too non-binary person perhaps especially you you need to think about is the whole world going to be non-binary or is it that f any gender non-conforming females are going to decide to be non-binary in way, way, way greater numbers than males, thereby shrinking, shrinking the category of woman. And the CDC will tell us that like there's that sex comes into play when you are being harmed um, yeah. and who you have sex with yeah. comes into play when you are being harmed. 
And I mean, shit, the CDC can't tell us shit about transgender students' actual experiences, probably because the CDC, I doubt if they've even landed on a way to categorize this stuff. No, I think that's the problem. I think they just haven't figured out how to ask the question and how to, like, get, arrive at, like, a discrete category. Right, because... (laughs) Because they're actually... At least these folks working in the CDC are actually really responsible scientists. Yes, they're scientific. They will, they're not going to lump gender nonconforming and non-binary and trans all into the same category. And like, and the people who don't answer into the same category, the people who say not that, but something else into the same category, they won't be doing that. So the question is, how are they going to identify transgender as something, as a trait that belongs to children? Which is another fundamental question that Lisa Davis is asking. It's how and where do we determine that this is something interior to the person? I mean, which has been the question all along, I suppose. I mean, that's another quote that I wrote down that like really, uh, really stuck out to me, but also still Lisa Davis, rather than teaching kids to be kind to their bodies, to keep them healthy and to find a way to love and celebrate them. We teach them that they can change their bodies and that this will lead them to happiness. Then we we write headlines like the Washington Post. Most most trans adults say transitioning made them more satisfied with their lives. When you haven't actually asked trans adults about transitioning, but you're still writing that headline. Yeah, that's the shit that really scares me in all of it. Like it's scary that there's no reason. It's really that scary. You're not pushing an ideology because you're literally no. lying about what your survey did. And like one of those fucking articles, at least Davis wrote. Like really, I mean, she closes it by saying like tell all your liberal friends that don't know about this and like i was literally i was literally that liberal friend reading this being like holy fucking shit like this is scary like this is big scary and and you know if you're not already fucking scared of big pharma like mm. well people love to say listen to girls you know what listen to girls actually looks like because the pen is in the hand of the women who came through girlhood listening to girls means listening to women like us frankly yeah listen to fucking girls and give them a fucking microphone. But in the meantime, stop calling everybody a turf who came through girlhood and has something to fucking say about it. And has something to say. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like we've got some stuff to say. I think we both have some, some good advice to dispense, frankly, and a good perspective to share. And we're still living in it. Like you have PTSD. We remember it. Exactly. Clearly. So yeah. So don't. No, we're not those adults. This is this is what what makes us what made us good teachers. Yeah. Is because we were adults that remembered what it was like to be a kid. And so many do, and that's where I mean, even people like J.K. Rowling. That is largely where she is coming from. You can tell, like she writes that explicitly, but also she has youth in her heart when when the shit like comes up, and um. So that that platitude about like listen to girls, Wapo, is fucking bullshit until you listen to women. Truly. Because it's a real that really is a total red herring to be like, oh, we're gonna listen to girls, and then they don't do anything because they're definitely not gonna listen to women. And like what are they gonna do? Go out and rustle up some fucking like Like essays listening groups? No. Like Like, what? Girl focus groups, essays? When are you gonna listen to them? No, but you're you're Yeah. I mean, I would love that. But you're not going to do that in any real like way. No, you're not. You're not going to do the actual hard work of doing that. And, it's, and instead of doing the much easier work of just like listening to their own female employees, right? Like, right. 
They don't even want to do Listening that. Listening to the women who feel the shit, who are doing the research, who have the time, who aren't in school. Like these, these girls are not able to like devote labor to defending themselves, which is why no one listens to them, which is why women. That's the other them. thing. Also, they're 16. Like they shouldn't have to. <laughs> like that's, they shouldn't have to like come out and like be like hyper mature and like really, you know, really well-spoken and emotionally mature like they're they're teenagers that's what adults are for yeah totally nothing pissed me off more than that listen to girls being on a page that was literally like right one one click away from the article that was talking about how like non-binary people are happier when they transition and then when you look at it it's not even about transitioning and they don't even disaggregate by sex the population of non-binary people like the idea that those two things were there and one of them was telling me to listen to girls made me want to like break my computer over my knee it's it's pretty yeah and in the meantime shit like the cdc surveys are coming out and you know if you listen to girls you would read that and go holy shit girls are crying out for help right like girls and as you said last episode gay girls like gay people girls and people who have sex with the same sex Like, it does not take Sherlock Holmes to tell me that it's queer girls, lesbians and bisexual and queer girls that are the most objectively miserable category of teenager Mm -hmm. on planet America. The most gender non-conforming when we combine these two articles, right? One of these is like the teen culture of like slut shaming of girls who don't meet the gender norms. And then the other one is like, you know non-binary people should transition but we don't we don't care enough to like notice whether those people are girls or not like these are the gender non-conforming girls are the ones we know are suffering so how the fuck are either one of these two articles capturing it they're not talking about gender non-conforming girls which is like by the way let's zoom way out the whole point of feminism is for girls not to have to conform to that shit and we're being told the the conformity has gotten worse at the same time as the non-binary category has grown. Come on. This is the thing that I didn't like that was I I loosely knew happened but didn't realize was quite as zeitgeisty as it was, but like the whole tomboy like ascendance in the 70s and yeah. shit, like I did not realize that was as big a deal as it was and that childhood was quite so like you know, childhood just wasn't as gendered as it is today because Right. You know, it wasn't, we weren't, it wasn't late capitalism yet, and motherfuckers weren't out here trying to sell toys. Oh, God, you're and right. Clothes and whatever. It is like, like more mm-hmm. gendered now than it was in like 50s. Yeah. Why, mm-hmm. Like, we're, because part of it is like we're forcing kids to like think about it so fucking hard instead of just be themselves. And part of that's like, a, you know, I think definitely a homophobic like ba- backlash, yeah. like response, you know, to, more kids feeling safer and coming out like as gay and then they were like oh my god no right johnny's gonna play with gi joe now like <laughs> and got it johnny's gotta do capitalism right and then yeah and and then now in the like horror dystopian post-feminism like of course our backlash continues to be really just deeply i don't even know what tangled right <laughs> hidden right like that backlash going along with the homophobic backlash yeah like they're both sort of so um sinister in their misdirection 
Yeah. Well, and it's like, it's not like, you know, like you say, you don't have to be fucking Sherlock Holmes to know that like female people are those that nobody gives a shit about over the course of history. Like we are meant to be used whether rhetorically or physically or sexually. Um, that would be the population you ignore. But lo and behold, the CDC is trying to hold on to the category of female. And I'm just wondering, do you think that's going to stop? I don't think so. I don't think they're... I fucking hope not. I don't, I don't think they can pull that as scientists. But you know there have to be people who want there to not be a female-male distinction in these surveys. Oh, absolutely. No, like, no. That, people that... make the survey that doesn't have the female-male distinction. Oh, no. that And also, I can tell you just from personal experience that that, that rhetoric is very much in the like nonprofit space in a major way. Of getting rid of female and male distinctions. Yeah not asking in sex. demographic surveys and stuff yeah yeah i mean I've definitely... or like asking only gender identity or like just any any sort of like you know di- different tweaks to it <laughs> my therapist i was like a couple different apps i noticed did not ask me my sex they only asked me my gender identity but i was like you need both mm-hmm. like i'm usually looking for both in mm-hmm. in any kind of caregiving context but it's like one of them is getting oh that's what i wanted to talk about one of them is getting um prioritized so the cdc actually has this whole um like guide to collecting um so slash gi data like which means sexual orientation and gender identity but it's it's a an acronym i was seeing everywhere Mm s-o-g-i but so what they're talking about is how to address what they do in the like youth risk behavior survey the the sex stuff but then also the gender identity stuff and their suggested questions are for like practitioners. Now here's the thing, the practitioners that I've been signing up for, like, are looking like shopping around for therapists or whatever have nixed the sex question and have only asked the gender identity and the sexual orientation questions. Um, Interesting. But the CDC actually, I, I just, as a discourse analysis person, there's a sentence here where they say, so basically they've got, they've got questions for sexual orientation, gender identity, and sex those three things. And they say some patients may question the relevance of being asked about their sex listed at birth or their sexual orientation. What they do. So the CDC is saying, basically, nobody is going to have a problem with you asking them about their gender identity, but certain people are going to get mad. You ask them about their sex and certain people are going to get mad. You ask them about their sexual orientation, but that's like not true. (laughs) There's definitely different people would get mad about all three of those things. I know, but but the CDC doesn't mention that there are people who are invested in sex. Or just by the omission implies that there aren't people for whom the question about gender identity would seem immaterial to their care experience. So I thought that was interesting, right? Yeah. Basically says like, yeah. some people are going to be offended by the sex question, by the sexual orientation question. It doesn't, but gender identity is fine. But it's like, that's not true, actually. There are people who think that you need the sex question. Um, and like the sexual orientation one is also relevant for most like, you know, certainly therapeutic experiences but also most like you know doctor experience medical experiences generally Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um yeah this is like general medical and so they say you know basically push forward ask all these questions because providers need this information to recommend appropriate preventive care which makes it sound like what they're most afraid of is people who don't want you to ask their sex right they're, they're saying mm. there is a prevalence of people now who don't want you to ask about their sex, which is true. I think that reflects what you were saying. Huh. Yeah. Um, 
but the way they word it as like guidelines is, do you think of yourself as, and these are the answers they give, straight or heterosexual, lesbian or gay, bisexual, and then in one, queer, pansexual, and or questioning, something else please specify, don't know, decline to answer. So I just thought it was interesting that they put queer and questioning together. That's weird. Pansexual. That's really, that's a, that's a choice. Right? Interesting choice. Okay. And, but those are the current guidelines. One of those things are n- is not like the other. Right, I know. Actually, all of those things are not like the other. Yes, all of those things don't necessarily belong in the same category. But no, you can see, none of those are things really. Yeah, it's like the CDC is trying to make sense of things. So these are their these are their options for gender identity. Do you think of yourself as male, female, transgender man slash trans man, transgender woman slash trans woman, gender queer slash gender nonconforming, neither exclusively male nor female, additional gender category or other? Please specify decline to answer noticeably missing is non-binary hmm that makes me wonder what the cdc thinks it's going to do when it surveys trans people hmm because if they include people are going to be looking for that people are going to be looking for that response yeah because if they include this option additional gender category or other please specify they're going to get slapped with millions of non-binary answers like i mean you know ten thousand, right like yeah it's gonna weigh everything but anyway and then they have the sex question oh look at this i'm gonna share my screen although it's like how on the kaiser family foundation they have the or on the kaiser poll they had a they showed whether the answer was like volunteered and i think the like on parents health insurance was actually volunteered (laughs) So they like didn't include that originally, but they just oh, had so wow. many people that were under twenty six that answered that they had to include it. Yeah. Well, and then they have to decide: do we include all these different spellings and all this bullshit? That just sounds like such a pain in the ass. Yeah. Like the the different way that they word it, blah blah. It's because their survey is not built right. It's like these people don't actually know the sucks. They don't know the demographic of the people they're surveying. No. No. You're weird. Okay, it's not letting me share my screen. That's dumb. That's weird. Um, yeah, because can, you can share your screen. Yeah, that's odd. But basically, both the gender identity question, things that the CDC has already identified as the gender identity question and the sex question are both labeled the gender identity questions. It says, note that the gender identity questions have two parts one on current gender identity and one on sex listed at birth as though the sex listed at birth was a gender identity. Hmm. Hmm. So the CDC has started using gender identity as like uh, an umbrella. Ah! That includes sex in it. Why would it do that though? Because the CDC is going to have scientific justifications for all this shit. So I'm trying to figure out why would it do that? Why? Why would it do that? Would it do that for promotion reasons? So that everybody understands that it's like... Mm. And then it says the gender identity question also includes options for people who have a non-binary gender identity, but it doesn't include the word non-binary. The neither male nor female is the... I guess you get to pick that one. that's the one. Why wouldn't they just use the word non-binary? That shit's weird. Especially because, like, I would choose... I, like, might be... 
depending on how I'm feeling on a certain day, I might pick that one. Like yeah. if it was check all that applied, like oh, I might I might feel frisky and check that and female. Like right, right. I think they're gonna make. It but then, like, I also would not check non-binary. But so yeah, so maybe they're capturing. Like what? Mm. No, but that makes sense. Maybe they're capturing like they're trying to exclude people who, like, so you're only allowed to pick one. You would pick female. They're trying to make it so that somebody wouldn't pick non-binary while still thinking of themselves as female i guess so they've actually they've yeah okay so they've created a they've created a category that's like neither male nor female like very explicitly because some non-binary people still say that they're female yeah 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 wow i wonder how i wonder how like who was tasked with figuring that out also i feel like select all is the way even though that kind of is messy, like numerically, but still, like, I mean, I think if our point is that, like, it's fucking useful to disaggregate by sex. Yeah, it's useful to disaggregate. Period. Yeah. Like I'm just pro disaggregation, right. like of all things. Like if you can disaggregate more, do it. Which is also the thing that kind of confuses me about kaiser family foundation slash wafo poll is like you know I, the 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 nonprofit world especially the like big rich nonprofit funders like big foundations and shit like that like are definitely going in the direction that they want disaggregated data like i've started asking for it explicitly in grant reports and shit like that in a way that like they did not do like five to ten years ago That's good right and which is good it's also a double-edged sword because most nonprofits like cannot and mine included like literally cannot produce like disaggregated data oh <laughs> i can i can kind of guess like i could make an educated guess with, like use some proportions and like i got you do my best but like just because the surveys aren't built that way it's it, it's really because we can't get our staff to fucking fill them out oh but also, yeah, no, it's it's lots of reasons. So but, you've got a bunch of missing. But also, it's our it's our like our pro our software like is just not built to like. We gotta get these people do anything, software. but like, I that's I'm literally trying to do that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. When I'm also trying to get us some real actual like computers that are newer than like 2016. Mm-hmm. So you actually think <sighs> that might have something to do with it? That like when you say staff aren't filling things out do you mean like when they're conducting interviews they're not getting answers and they're just moving forward? yeah yeah they just don't want to ask the clients like like how much money they make or like what race they are those are the ones that they don't ask the most yeah. or like and i could not even begin to get like sexual orientation like no way i would they would they would not let me they just wouldn't let you ask. make them do that uh i mean i could tell the program staff to do it but like they they wouldn't and like also like i don't think i could convince my boss to tell the program staff to do it yeah. <laughs> uh, here though, we do have a situation where there are online surveys and there are just missing items like they could have disaggregated by asking a question so yeah. at that point it's like that's that's possible yeah but it's it, back to my original point anyway that that was the uh it's too easy to just bitch about work um <laughs> the uh that is like the way that most you know big funders are going are pro disaggregation mm-hmm. you know the more the better and the fact that the 
KFF Waypo survey. Yeah. Just like is going in the opposite direction, full force. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Well, you can't, I mean, you can't disaggregate if your political project is to conjoin. <laughs> They're real. Yeah, I mean, they want it to be one big tent of trans adults who can speak to transitioning in a way that literally makes no sense. It's not even what you asked about. But, you know, this you can disaggregate if you have categories that make sense. So one of the things that I like that CDC did was like really just nail down the categories that it wanted to pursue. Like when it comes to sexual identity, they're simple. You've got heterosexual, you've got gay, lesbian, or bisexual, which, and they actually, they actually show you how the, the way that it was worded on the survey becomes a category that they use. So like, they asked, are you heterosexual in parentheses straight? And then if you said yes to that, then you were heterosexual as a category. They asked separately, are you gay or lesbian? Mm. And then separately bisexual. But then if you if you said yes to either one of those, they tell you, the reader of the survey, that they put those together and they made them gay, lesbian, or bisexual. And then they have, I describe my sexual identity some other way, or I'm not sure. And they put both of those into other slash questioning. So theoretically, if you're a queer person who doesn't identify as gay, lesbian, or bisexual, you'd be in that other slash questioning. And those are it. Mm. That's it. So my question would be... You could ask a yes or no question and get an answer. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, and they're not admitting queer into the realm of sexual identity because they're admitting the categories that actually live same-sex sex, gay, lesbian, or bisexual. So if you're queer, but you're not gay, lesbian, or bisexual, you're not in that that I mean, that's also the whole point of asking, like, who you actually have sex with. That's why I think that question is so smart. Like, also because it demonstrates they're a lot more actual, you know, queer people than they say they are. Yeah. So they're, which is always surprising to see, but that there, there you go. Oh, I see what you mean. That there are more people having yeah. same sex sex than say that they are gay. Than to say that they are gay yeah, or bisexual. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. They have both. They have all these different ways of getting at it. Um, which they need to because they need to be able to assess whether gay, lesbian, or bisexual people have had sex. So yeah, and those are clear-cut categories. Have you had sex with the same sex? Sex with the opposite sex? Sex with both sexes? How do you do it? Um, and I think that's why the CDC is not sure how to address transness because they're probably watching. Don't you think they're watching the statistics like getting fucked like by WAPO and being like, how the hell are we going to do this? Yeah, no, I mean, I there's definitely a reason why there hasn't been, like, the big survey that's been, you know, actually statistically validated and, and you know, with a significant sample size that's, you know, not from a, not from an NGO, an, an NGO. like, yeah. that's from an independent yeah. third party. That's the other thing that like, we're both big fans of. It's like, let's get some independent third parties up in here. It's like, you wouldn't let, like... You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to let the fucking tobacco lobby like hire their own like survey people like they already mm -hmm. did that. Like I don't and no, nobody needs to do I that. Mean, Everybody can get a third party. There, were, <laughs> there are people who will claim the government can't be trusted. But I will tell you, if you look at the CDC's method, it it all hangs together. <laughs> yeah, together. this in particular, you can trust. Yeah. Yes. Um, no, again, I'm also one of those people. You can't trust the government. These you, the, the scientists that are doing these CDC surveys, 
they did a good job. Right. And also you can, you can trust your eyes. You can trust, you can trust the eyes yeah. of thousands of people who look at something and are like, Hey, that makes sense. But if you have a survey like the yeah. WAPO one that comes out and it's actually just super controversial and you actually look at it with your eyes and you're like, Oh, I see why this might be oh. misrepresenting stuff. That's something else. Um, yeah. Yeah. And hopefully this is, shown people some of the you know ways to do that i mean it's, it, how to look it's at it. complicated but it's also so 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 fundamental which is like do you have coherent categories that can organize your data if not then then you cannot claim to have a relation between them like you can't there's your labels aren't making sense so like i think that's why the cdc is afraid of of fucking up I'm assuming that they are, but it just seems like we would have the survey if we had a definition of transgender that was that was discreet. But we don't. Yeah, um, but we don't. We don't. Jesus, and we won't. We won't until we have like made very clear that somebody like us doesn't like for us to be included in the category of trans slash or trans comma gender nonconforming as that survey would have. You know, if we had just decided to say that that day, <laughs> that would be that's an injustice to the information. It's an injustice to the data. Yeah. But like until we're saying yeah. that publicly, we're not going to get good data. No. Yeah. I mean, shit, if I was like, tw- I don't know, 25, 22 right now, I'd be like, well, I'm gender nonconforming. So I'm trans because people told me that that's that I was trans in grad school for being gender nonconforming. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Maybe that's like fucking with gender. So I would say that and I'd be in the survey, but I wouldn't know shit about transitioning. Yeah. And again, most of the people they asked about their experience transitioning are younger than 34. And haven't transitioned. And haven't actually transitioned. Medically and in some cases, like not socially, but maybe capitalistly, maybe they're shopping in the men's section. (sighs) Okay. Well, Do, do better science people. Do better no, it's 53% are, are younger than 34. And they're like, they're acting like that's just ref- a reflection of reality. It's like, hey, if you've been here since the beginning of time, then we need to get everybody else and all those other age demographics on the survey. Or are they all just older lesbians clinging to the word lesbian? There certainly aren't any 31-year-old lesbians recording a podcast right now in Dallas, Texas, who care at all about the word lesbian. Uh, 